When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This Ace Cast download is brought to you by Link Soul. Go to linksoul.com and by Nest Bedding. Love where you sleep. Go to nestbedding.com. This is Ace Cast Live, your comprehensive look at the Oakland Athletics. Rooker, it's a five on a deep center. Robert going back at the track. He will turn and watch it fly. And 29 other MLB clubs. Dolis Garcia sends on the other way. That sends Carroll back. He's at the Historic season. Julio with an absolute nuke out to left field. It's Glaber Day. And like a good Glaber, Torres is there. Join us as we take you inside the baseball universe. From humidors to stuff plus <laughs> to walk-off dingers, we have you covered. Spend your afternoon with us only on 80s Cast Live. Here's Chris Townsend. It is so good to be back here on A's Cast Live. We haven't been on since Nashville and the winter meetings. And we are down in Mesa, Arizona for the next couple of days for fantasy camp. Dallas Brayton is going to lead us off here as fantasy camp is always very a, a very special time of the year. And it, and it gets me thinking, right, because winter meetings is awesome because winter meetings – is the business of baseball but there's no fields there's no uniforms there's no one talking trash it's not baseball it's like we get new years we know baseball's coming but all of a sudden here we are at fantasy camp it's real again we've got dirt we've got grass we got trash talk we got bad coffee it's time for baseball season it is the physical form of the hot stove season is what it is right and that hot stove just starts to get a little warmer you start to crank it up just a little hotter and fantasy camp at least for me anyway absolutely is a part of that flame it's a part of that igniter that gets baseball season baseball juices flowing in baseball fans veins again and i mean this is a family affair out here and i mean family from top to bottom organizationally it's a family affair with the folks who come out and have continued to come out all the way from all corners of the globe we've got australians it's just it it is definitely the time of year that I look forward to maybe the most aside from spring training because that's the official stamp that baseball is here. But before that, this is the precursor. I absolutely love this. Well, last night we had our little get-together event. Obviously, the fans love you, uh, love Dave Stewart, love all of the coaches. Bobby Crosby, we're going to get a little bit later because he's got a wedding tomorrow. Uh, or he's got a wedding set. Whatever it is, he's got to go today. We're going to have everybody on down here. But, you know, I thought about one of the biggest compliments I could have got was from, you, you talked about Australian, a guy by the name of Ash. We're going to have on the program. He's a big Ace Cast Live mm-hmm. and Ace Cast listener, and he's a huge Ace fan because of Dave Stewart. He's come all the way from Australia for this event. It's that type of of story that makes fantasy camp so special but then i'm going to give you what really makes fantasy camp special 
So I ran in real quick to get everybody some waters and some Red Bulls to get us ready for the show. And I'm walking down. There's the first. Behind us are fields. I guess this would be field two. And what field is this? Three. So between field one and four, the first two fields that you see, I come walking out. And I'm walking out with the commissioner. And Dave Stewart's heated. And he's yelling at this guy. Doesn't say hello to me. Hey, Stu, what's up? Just starts yelling at this. So the first thing you get here at fantasy camp is a teed up, hacked off, whatever you want to say it, Dave Stewart. Hey. Games haven't even started and Dave Stewart's angry. And, Tony, it was last season. <laughs> it was last season where my team and Stu's team were about to lock up for the championship, and there were some discrepancies in the rule book, and I found myself standing at home plate, and I've got Dave Stu. I got Stu staring, basically staring a hole through my soul as he's telling me that the rules are not right. This is BS. This is, and I'm like, yes, sir. You are, yep, yes, you are correct. Someone... Someone make him right, make me wrong. Like what? Like it just. But that's the kind of energy. That's the kind of fun we have as coaches here, because that's the kind of that's kind of energy that's going on from the players, right? They're so invested in in having fun, and they they want to win. It gets competitive, but the the take home message is having as much fun as we do, knowing that ultimately it doesn't mean a damn thing, and it's the fun that we're having that we're going to remember, and that's what keeps bringing people back. Yeah, we had Stu on in Nashville. He has the suit on. He's got his Nashville Stars dream, Uh trying to make it happen there, getting a team in Major League Baseball, becoming an owner. But you put an A's uniform on him out here, and he's back to being smoke. That's that. That's a flip. That's a flip of the switch that I don't know that he could even control. You know, and we get into the bullpen, and I, this is one of my favorite things about it. Shooty, uh, for so many years, had the great Bird Campanaris here at Fantasy Camp with us, and that was one of Shooty's idols, right? And for him to be able to be at camp with Campy and just hang out with that guy and what that meant to him, what it means to him to have those memories, I feel the same way because I have Dave Stewart in the bullpen with me. I've got Greg Catteray down there in the bullpen with me just hanging out, talking, pitching. So the idea of you walking in and seeing Stu in the uni and the stare and Angry. listening to him just absolutely <laughs> rip somebody's heart out yeah. at 9.30 in the morning <laughs> at fantasy camp, like that's that's what you love about it, man. Yeah, it's real, folks. It is real. Um, by the way, you're the defending champion. Congratulations. I wasn't going to bring it up. I'm you're glad here you to re- did. You're here to repeat. You know, yeah. there's a lot of talk about, you know, how Bill Belichick mm. is no longer the head coach mm. of the Patriots. Nick Saban has stepped down. You know, mm. guys who have won multiple championships. I mean, when I think of the great leaders in the history of the game, I mean, obviously Dallas Braden, you, you're you're a winner. I, I'm, I'm not going to put myself on the Mount Rushmore of fantasy camp managers slash championships because really there isn't one. I would be the only face on that, so that's unfair. And I'm glad you brought it up, Townie, to answer your question. Our team's name is Run It Back. Run It Back. It's pretty simple. I think it's self-explanatory. We're champions, and we're just looking to run it back. So that's kind of the vibe we're putting out there as a club, as a squad you so remember, far. Remember when uh, Pat Riley trademarked three-peat? Yes. Uh-huh. <laughs> oh, you're like, you're like You're like the Pat Riley I mean, hey, of, of fantasy camp. This satin right here just reeks of championship that is, sweat. That is an old one, too. Oh, this is an OG. This is original. I told you. This is the one that you've been slobbering all over. Yeah. 
This is the OG. I'll even take that cream-colored one. When are you going to hook me up with <laughs> the, the starter jacket? I told you, 2024 is our year, baby. Okay, yes. okay. So, yeah, you're looking for a repeat, and I know, you know, for, for obviously we're all out here just to have a great time. But for the coaches and the trash talk, this is big for you. Oh, it's top-notch. Yeah. It's top-notch because, again, now you're hanging around guys, and like you said, you put Stu in the uniform, you put Steiny in the uniform, and you get Steiny and Carney together. And with the success that those guys have had and the relationships that they have formed, it's almost unfair the way that they can kind of tag team, triple team, like you just, and especially for a young meathead like me, like around those guys, I have nothing to say. What am I going to say to those guys? So I just get buried Can early. you really like trash talk Carney Lansford? Uh, well, no, because again, there just becomes a point in time where you know Carney's kind of looking at you as like, just, just don't. Just don't. <laughs> just don't. You're like, get it. Because Carney's the type of guy where if you walk in early in the morning and, and he's having a certain cereal for breakfast and you're undecided, you're just going to have that cereal because that's just, you know, don't, don't, just fall. He's an A's Hall of Famer. He's a batting champion. He's a World Series champion. He's an all star. Like, yes. at some point, you can only push the button so well, much. Right. He's a green and gold god. Let's be real. Like, there's no, uh, there's, there's no pushing back there. Uh, that is great. Um, the relationships, uh, as you said, one of the reasons why we like coming down here and we always want to promote this, it, it's you get the sense of family here. As people come here with their, their you know, it's sons, it, it's daughters, it, it's it's parents. It, it's amazing, everybody. It's just not a bunch of guys who come. It's like a family down here. Oh, man. Just talk about the family atmosphere and how these people really have become such good friends of yours. Well, they've become incredible friends of mine. Like, I, I can mention, you know, a father-son combo, uh, Dave and, and Melody Record, like, they're huge A's fans, have been lifelong A's fans, season ticket holders. They sit behind home plate every home game, and they've been coming out here for God knows how long. They were coming before I was here, so I've been lucky enough to to meet them, and I've become part of their world. And because that's been the case, they've been so welcoming of my family, which this is the first year my family will not be out here, which kind of feels weird. I kind of feel naked not having my, my little girls run around, my dogs running around, and my wife and my grandma out here. But that's what it has been since I've been coming out here is exactly that, Tony, is that family environment where you get to come and enjoy the game and enjoy people who love the game and love the team that you love all on the same level. And it's just like being around like-minded individuals. It's it's fun, and it benefits you. And as a fan, I, I, I couldn't think of another way to celebrate your fandom and share in that celebration of fandom than with other people who love it as much as you do. Like, where do you get together? What do those kind of conventions look like? They look like this. They look like fantasy camp. Getting talked to you and the commander out here at the tower, watching dreams get lived out, man. This is This is awesome. For you, it's the kids are getting older, and it's a whole different ball game when kids are in school. Yes, that's a fact. That you is used why to travel all uh, around, do uh -huh. whatever you want. Now you realize, oh, we can't do what we used to do. Yep, you're yep. kind of you're kind of anchored down. But uh, you know what? I think it makes it all the more special, being able to think back and having those memories and having the opportunity to have made those. I know that that's still in the future as well. I would hope so anyway. So you take advantage of those moments, and I think that just helps them become all the more special. So when you're able to take advantage of an opportunity or an experience like this, it, it really kind of helps it stick with you. All right, one more because I know you got to go and get to your team, and it's we're already winning too. I just didn't want you're, you're already, yeah. he's already that yeah. he's already he's a, our, our, I mean, if you could take everything from Pete Carroll, Nick Saban, Bill Belichick. And then Dallas Braden, you could make one hell of a coach. Oh, man. I mean, those guys would be lucky to be put in my sentence, right? <laughs> Your like, DNA in yeah. there. <laughs> uh, but on a serious note, because I had this conversation with Bobby Crosby, and we'll talk to him a little bit later. 
former rookie of the year. And it's something I'm going to address today. And it's about, you know, a lot of what's going on around us. Obviously, there's a lot of chaos and there's a lot of unknown and stuff. But like I told Bobby today, and Bobby liked this because now as a manager, he gets that perspective. I kind of see myself that, that oversee people. And I like to, to, you know, whether it's the commanders or, or other people in our group is, hey, listen, amongst the chaos, we need to thrive. Mm-hmm. We need to get better. We need to continue to do what we do no matter what happens around us. We always are striving to do what's best at the highest possible level. And I, I think of as someone like yourself as a player and for and I just did the the, the hot stove banquet to Santa Clara. It's the big hot stove banquet. We honored Lucas Ursig of the A's, Nico Horner of the uh, Chicago Cubs, a kid from Oakland. And, you know, it's one thing that I've always thought about. And I talked with a couple of the minor leaders that were there. Guys want to come to Oakland. Why? Because they're going to get an opportunity throughout the chaos. You can get opportunity. And you can talk about that as someone who's been around this. As there's a lot of stuff. There's a lot of unknown also going on. But for the players, this is a place you're going to get a chance. You a have, chance of playing the big leagues. You have to wake up with your glass. This is why it's important to wake up with your glass half full. And you can wake up and you have a decision to make. You can be a faucet or you can be a drain. Right? You can drain the energy out of a situation or you can be the faucet that pours the positivity into it. And that's your decision. And nobody else gets to make that decision but you each and every morning. So with the opportunities that are presented in front of you, it's up to you to filter that in a positive manner. And it's comfortable in the shade, but what do we know about that? Nothing grows there. So this is once in a lifetime sort of territory, right? To be able to focus and put the put the horse blinders on and just go to work. Because as you said, we're surrounded by incredible people who love what they do and are damn good at it. And it would be insanity for us to not take advantage of people with that kind of work ethic, with that kind of drive, and that kind of passion for the game, for what they do, and for just being great. And we are lucky to be around that. So amongst the chaos, as you have said, is a great opportunity to find the calm, to create the calm yourself. And if you're around people who are pulling on the rope in the same direction, for me, it's almost easy to turn the noise down. I mean, when you think of legendary head coaches, managers, Dallas Braden, go win another one. (laughs) Go win another chance. And by the way, I mean, the Uh starter jacket's beautiful. Yep. I know you're going to be watching the original is beautiful. That's right, baby. That, that's our generation. That's it. I don't think. Do you, do you remember starter jackets? That's it. When, how big they were? Yeah, because they were really big, like, especially when I was a kid. Because I remember going up in the 90s, kids love starter jackets. Now they're making their way back, and Dallas is at the forefront of my, it. My, my, my wife has her mother's. So my in-laws were huge 49ers, Candlestick Park. The old Goldie. Two, Mom, the red satin female oh, red. starters 49er okay, jacket sure. my wife still sure. has. Sure, that is crispy. Yeah. That is crispy. I need. I, I, I mean, it's not the green and gold. Yeah, it no, is crispy. Yeah. Well, I'm a Raider guy, it so it makes me want to throw up. But uh, for <laughs> I, I, you got to help me out, bro. We'll lock you got to help me out. We'll lock you in, Saudi. All right, thank you very much. All right, Good luck. Thanks Great for having Dallas Braden and joining us right here on A's Cast Live. Boom. And we got new cameras, by the way. That's the other. We, we've got a lot of new stuff that we are sporting here at Fantasy Camp coming to you. Are we back on this one? Oh uh, Yeah, we are. Yes, we are. Um, that we're sporting for you. But it is great to be back for the first time since Nashville for the winter meetings, which I hope everybody enjoyed the coverage that we gave you because basically if there was a big name at the Opryland Hotel 
in Nashville, Tennessee, we had that person on the program. Yeah, we had everyone. I mean, literally everyone we went up to, everyone we asked for. There was guys that we got late, like Rocco Baldelli, who was just kind of out of nowhere, and we had him for like two and a half Rocco minutes. Rocco Baldelli. But we, we got everyone. We had managers, new managers, like Voter being the new manager in Cleveland, yeah, Wash, cool. Wash coming on. Uh, that guy in San Francisco, Bob Melvin, he was on. I'm going to see Bobby Melvin on this trip. I'm looking forward to it. I want to I hear how this golf game goes. And who's, who's the better golf? If you had to just guess right now, who's the better golfer? You or Bob? I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm going to his track. So oh. it's going to be uh, – I mean, I put the odds on favorite. But remember, I'm scrappy. I'm scrappy. Well – Look, you guys are all acting like we're your Nanook of the North. <laughs> That's an old school, if you ever were in film school reference, by the way. Well, I mean, I as I told you, and you're like, it's going to be cold in there. I was like, no, it's just in Pittsburgh. It was 20 degrees. <laughs> this is a bone that I have to pick. I'm looking at the weather. This is not going to be spring training. Actually, spring training last year was freezing. This is warmer than spring training last year. Where, yeah, it was really where cold. Where Paul Blackburn <laughs> is like, like this, hey, Tony, it's good to see you. Ah, he's just in a shirt. And it's yeah. like, oh, my God. Um, I looked at it, and I said, Hey, man, it's going to be cold. I've been in Pittsburgh. Nah, 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 nah. I'm the one out here like this isn't – I mean, I'm used to being outside every day playing golf in wind, and you guys are, like, wilting in the cold right now. It's soft. The, the head the head man here, first I saw him take out the beanie earlier, and I'm like, all right, it's, it's, about, uh, I mean, it's about to get real, real, real fast. Delaire looks like he's going skiing in Tahoe right now, for <laughs> God's sakes. Um, I did want to start and address this because we didn't do it because when we were in Nashville – Got out to the hot start. I mean, we, we immediately had Eduardo Perez from ESPN, uh, Sunday Night Baseball. Obviously, Eduardo, a player, his, his father's in the Baseball Hall of Fame. Um, you get That was a great get, by the way, to lead it off, Eduardo Perez. And we just got rolling. And we didn't address all of the different stuff. So I'm just going to start this one with this. And it's a conversation that I did have with Bobby Crosby earlier today, now with the big club once again. And it's really how we have always operated. A's cast and A's cast live was built out of chaos. So whenever anybody responds to our post and our stuff and there's negative stuff, it's like you don't get it. How this all was built for for A's fans was out of a divorce, a business deal that wasn't going to continue anymore between 95-7, the game, who at that time, parent company was Intercom, and the Oakland Athletics. And it was going to be a divorce. And I was caught in this divorce, and obviously I, I've always followed the A's for – the good majority of my career, <clears throat> and I left 95-7 the game to work for the A's and create this. It was built out of chaos. Well, not much has changed in all these years. We're still dealing with a lot of different stuff. But like we did then when we left 95-7 the game and created A's cast, we're going to continue to cover the team. We're going to cover the team better than anybody else. We're going to do baseball, and I'm pretty proud of the fact, and I think a lot of people that start to follow and understand realize, wow, you guys cover all of Major League Baseball. We have people on from all of the teams 
We have people from inside Major League Baseball. We have people from the commissioner's office. We've had the commissioner on twice. We have everybody in the game on. We cover the entire game of baseball and the Oakland Athletics. And we're not going to stop that. No matter what is going on around us, no matter, no matter what is happening, no matter what decisions are being made, we're not going to stop doing what we do. And that's cover the game of baseball and cover the Oakland Athletics. We are still going to be great. And we're still going to create and do new things that nobody else has done, that, that nobody else is doing, despite the chaos. We thrive in chaos. And we always will. Maybe there will be a day that we will not have to thrive in chaos. But we've had to thrive in chaos ever since we created this. We created this out of chaos. So save all the comments. Don't look at them. Don't care. Just know that for the baseball fans, we're still going to give you the best baseball coverage that you're going to find. We're going to give you more guests than anybody else. There's no other show. Even the guys from Sirius XM, the baseball channel, they marvel. And a lot has to do with Commander Cody. Commander Cody is by far the best producer in the business. That's why we grabbed him. He's the best. How many times has, like, the Sirius XM people told you, oh, my God, your guest list is better than everybody's? Yeah, Mike Farron tells me every time I see him. It's just, And thank you for the kind words. That's very... Very, it's true. very nice of you to say. It's true. You are the best. I thought my wife was the only person that said I was the best producer, but now I got two people. Well, I mean, but it's like she doesn't da- know anyone else, so it's, it's okay. It's, it's like Dallas Braden. You can be the faucet. You can be the drain. <laughs> what are you going to be today? The faucet or the drain? I'm going to have to add that and the John Gruden lines. <laughs> John Gruden lines are pretty good. We can't use all of them because we are a family show. So I just wanted to address that. Trust me. You don't think we know? You don't think we know? You don't think we know what's going on? Because you actually think it affects you more than it affects us? That's the one thing that I always just kind of, I, it's, it's like, it just shows that sometimes people really don't get it. Like, do you realize how big decisions are and how they affect us and our lives? That's great that you can get on Twitter and you can get on Instagram and you can get on your keyboards, you can get on your phones and you can say, but you don't realize how much all this also affects us personally in our, in our lives. So trust me, we know what's going on, but what we're going to do is still give you the best product. And we're proud of that. And we're going to do it throughout the 2024 season and well beyond. It's hard to even say 24, 24 season. That's kind of shocking. I'm, I, I'm, I'm excited about the opportunity that we're going to see with a lot of the young guys. And we're going to check in with some of those young guys while we're down here. Zach Geloff is going to join us. Ryan Nota is going to join us. Nick Allen's going to join us. In person. In person. Nikki, Nikki, Nikki Pie Shop, as we told Dallas, Dallas Braden. Nikki Stick It, Nikki Lick It, Nikki Pick It is going to be here. What, else, what do we have else today? Uh, Eno's going to be on. This has been a long time since we talked to Eno Saris. Eno Saris, that'll be great. Our baseball insider. Uh, you mentioned Bobby Crosby. Uh, Rajay Davis is here, who we had on at the winter meetings. Rajay's one of the coaches here. Yeah. Um, we, you mentioned Terry and Carney. Cataray, uh, Ernie Young's here. Shooty. So we'll, we'll get everyone. I mean, I'm, I'm not used to having a, having someone grab a guest for me, but that's we got the Laird. We got the Laird here for that. No, it'll be great. It'll be absolutely great. You know, since we've been last on. <laughs> Every major football coach has left his position, whether retired or not, which has been interesting since we've been down here. But, and uh, just want I, quickly, it is pretty amazing when you look at these guys' careers. 
you know, to, to, to last that long. Like when you look at a football wife and you, and you watch either Belichick's or, or you look at Saban, both how their, their lives, you know, it came with the Cleveland Browns back in the day, how much they, they have met to each other. Obviously Pete Carroll with the San Francisco 49ers, um, before the USC fame and the Seahawks fame, uh, really did a lot with the 49ers. Pete Carroll, a great coach. So watching some of these guys leave has been interesting the last couple days. But really, since we left Nashville, obviously the big story was all of a sudden the Dodgers and Shohei Otani, Yamamoto after that, um, Hernandez then after that, and there's been the Chris Sale being traded, which and he agreed to a new deal with them. Yeah, <laughs> still to this, yeah, we'll, we'll we'll get into that part about it. But the one thing that I want to say that we talked a lot about, and it's not necessarily the sexy baseball stuff because it's not in between the lines, but it is the reality of where we are, and we like to cover the game in and out, and it's. It's something that I, I saw a great piece on it, and it really showed how smart the Dodgers were. Remember when there were all those reports about how Time Warner and most people in Los Angeles didn't have Time Warner? And it, this is why you stick with the business plan and you don't listen to the media and the fans. You stick to the business plan. Um, they had this massive deal with Time Warner. And a lot of people in Los Angeles and L.A. County didn't have Time Warner, so they couldn't watch Dodger baseball. And everybody freaked out. And how could you do this? You have to get out of this deal. You have to leave that deal. And the Dodgers went, no, we're going to stick with this deal. It's paying us a lot of money and gives us a lot of security. Let it play out. Well, over time, it played out. And now you're seeing all these teams lose their cable deals and the Dodgers deal is stronger basically than anybody's in baseball. And what they've been able to do with this contract, and I know everybody likes to talk about how they're trying, they want to win. Well, they're spending money that's free money. This cable money's free money. They are not spending more than what their cable deal is, right? So they have, they, they are sensing the they are seizing the moment. They know their top two competitors are the Padres and the D-backs. D-backs who just represented the National League in the World Series. Their top two competitors in their division don't have a cable deal. The other team in their division, the Colorado Rockies, they don't have a cable deal. So three out of the four teams don't have a cable deal in their own division. And then the only other team that has one, they can't even give their money away. That's our friends, the San Francisco Giants. So the Dodgers, no question, are seizing the moment right now. And they're giving out guarantees that the guys that are working there and, and the guys running the team won't probably ever have to deal with. Yeah, we talked about that when that happened, about how, you know, you know, Andrew Friedman and the president and all those guys that are there, they're not going to be there when Otani's no. deferred deal kicks in in 10 years no. or whatever it is. And he's making $68 million a year. 
Like, they're, none of these guys are going to be there. No. Andrew Freeman's not going to be with the Dodgers. I mean, he could be, but I, I'm going to lean towards probably not. The the odds of him being in the same role yeah, no. are slim. Like, at some point, everybody wants to do something else, right? Our own Billy Bean. Billy Bean could write his ticket and do whatever he wants. At some point, Billy didn't want to be a GM anymore. Then you get bumped up to the vice president. That, and then after some point, you go, eh, I mean, there's stuff you want to do in your life. As you get older and as you've achieved, you want to keep doing other things. So the odds of Andrew Friedman 10 years from now is still doing the same job is, is, is ridiculous. Some of the guys, some of the managing general partners for the Dodgers who agreed to this deal won't be alive, and this is horrible to say, they won't be alive when that deal ends. When, that, when, when, when the Dodgers are done paying Otani, these owners won't have to deal with it. Yeah, we also forget the Dodgers also made a trade during yesterday. Remember, they got glass now, now also. Yeah. So they've, they've done a lot this offseason to improve after winning 100 games again last year. We saw Dave Roberts in the winter meetings, and it's just they're, they want to win, and you're right, the, the cable deal, they're able to do that, and the other teams in the division can't, and – yeah, the Giants got Robbie Ray. That's great. I mean, that was just, I don't know, that trade was just weird about all the the the, the money, but but they can't give away the, the, any other money. They couldn't get Yamamoto. They couldn't get the other Japanese pitchers not with the Cubs. They they haven't been able to land anyone, and and that's why the Dodgers are taking advantage of it, and that's why they're going to run the division for how many more years? At least five or six, maybe the whole time Otani's there. Imanaga. Yeah, Shoda. Shoda. Shoda Imanaga. Yeah. I agreed to the deal with the Cubs. That was another free agent move. That well, we- finally the Cubs did something. Yeah. And they've been talking about spending. They got. They have the money. They want to spend the money. But there's still some really interesting names out there that we need to talk about. You know, you look at the guy that won the Cy Young Award, Blake Snell, is still out there. Jordan Montgomery, who all of a sudden appeared – you know, with the, with, the, with the Texas Rangers as this hero. And why wouldn't you want Jordan Montgomery? He's a guy that look, you look at his age, you look what he's done, you look at his production, what he can give you. I thought it was fascinating when people were like, well, the Yankees, why would you want to go back if you were him to the Yankees? Yeah, they got rid of you because they didn't think you were good enough. And they shipped you out to St. Louis. And they, who they get in that deal? Harrison Bader, who's now, a, what is he, a Met? I think he's a Met now. So all the guys that got in that deal didn't pan out. But, yeah, they didn't want Montgomery because they wanted they wanted somebody else. And they think he was the guy. Then he goes to St. Louis, does okay, gets traded to the Rangers, and he becomes the guy for them because Scherzer got hurt who they acquired. And all the other guys they signed in the, as free agents weren't, weren't healthy. And, and Montgomery was a godsend for them. That's why they won the World Series. And think where we are at January 11th. I mean, you know, if you would have told me by January 11th, we'd still be wondering where's Cody Bellinger going? After the year he had to, bounce back year. Matt Chapman, remember everybody was so high on Matt Chapman at one point? We're January 10th. We're at fantasy camp. Before you know it, you're going to blink, and pitchers and catchers are reporting. This is the time of year where all of a sudden guys start getting a little desperate. Now, it was one thing when when you had Manny Machado and – and Bryce Harper, both free agents that took it almost to February. That went, well, they actually did take it to February. It was like right before spring training, and then they yeah. Both Bryce signed. Harper was basically having a press conference right at the start of spring training. You know, those are guys with different type of leverage points. These other guys, at some point, you've got to start wondering, okay, where am I going to be? Where, where is my future? What are we waiting on? Like, I for Cody Bellinger, that's the one that's still kind of like if you're the Chicago Cubs, and you're still ha- you still haven't wrapped that up, that is hard to believe. 
yeah, and we know he's going to get money. He's a Boris guy. Snell's a Boris guy. Uh, I think Luis Robert just hired Scott Boris, but he's not a free agent for a while. But those two guys, yeah, like Snell winning the Cy He's won multiple Cy Youngs now, and he still doesn't have a deal. Like, we were talking about Dallas last night, and I was like, where do you think he's going to go? And I think we all kind of agreed on the same place. But then again, the team that we all think it's happening, they're not spending any They're cutting salary in the Mariners. So th that's, that's where he thinks he's going to go? He's, he's from Seattle, too. So, I mean, that, that's a big part of it, tie-in for Snell. He said, he said he thinks Seattle. I think Seattle was the number one choice the whole time. Just because they but got, they're not. They, I know they, they, they cut Ray. They got Ray off the book. I mean, all the all the big deals they had, they got rid of a lot of the guys, except for Julio. Yeah, they're not looking to bring in money. Yeah, no, because they don't have a they don't have a cable deal right now either. RSN deal or what? There's something with there with Root Sports. Yeah, it, it's like a, it's a. It was explained to me a little bit at the winter meetings about how they're they're gonna they're gonna go to a subscription model, so you're gonna have to pay extra. You're going to have to pay extra to get uh, Mariners baseball this year, which they already know is going to be a disaster because they actually own Root Sports. I mean, the whole thing is a mess. Yeah, there's. I mean, we see some teams doing that. Um, most notably, if you watch, I mean, if you follow along in hockey, the Golden Knights who won the Stanley Cup and the Penguins both have a, you know, monthly or yearly subscription model where you can just pay for that instead of paying for, you know, you know your local RSN. You can just do that and pay monthly. I mean, I get it. But, yeah, Seattle's in a really tricky spot, and that's why they started dumping some salary and moving guys out. And, you know, and, and they're not – I mean, the only guy really making any money for them is like, probably is Julio Rodriguez right now. Yeah, and you look at our own division. I mean, w w w our own division is going to be interesting. Yeah. Right? Uh, Astros just lost Brantley to retirement. Maldonado's a White Sox. Texas is not really doing anything. Yeah, and, you know, who knows what happens with Scherzer next year because he's going off surgery. Oh yeah, you have Scherzer and Degrom. Yeah, both not going to be there. Yeah, right. It's it, it's really kind of a wild, you know, it's a wild, wild west kind of thing because Seattle is definitely taking a step back purely because of money. Mm -hmm. You have the Angels. Are the Angels? They, you know, haven't, they you, haven't done anything either for. You Wash. haven't done anything, and you you know you look at the A's and like we're not going to sugarcoat it. We were awful last year, but what if these young players come back and actually give you something? Could be a really interesting year. I'm not calling for anything crazy. I'm just saying, like, if you start to – if other – because I hear all these other teams going, well, if this works and that works, and then you could have a great rotation. Well, if everybody is in that kind of mode and everybody gets to have that kind of leeway, well, all of a sudden you start thinking about it. Well, what if? Because, you know, some of these ace players – that was the key last year. And we'll talk to Bobby Crosby about that as Delaire has gone down to get him. You know, that was that's the thing is and, and he's been the one who's been managing so many of these guys and watching them come up. But that was the key of bring them up, give them a taste. Give everybody a taste. Look at what like Ryan, when are we getting Ryan Nota? Uh uh Nota's tomorrow. I think he's gonna be at 230? It's either 2.30 or, th or 3. Look how much Ryan Noda grew as a player by just giving him an opportunity to play every day. By giving Ryan – because at first he wasn't going to get that opportunity. Then he started to earn it. Then he started to walk. And we know how much our front office loves walks. I do too. Uh, and we started to realize this Ryan Noda guy can play. But he had – you had to give him the opportunity. You had to give him the at-bats. And the more he played, the better you realized he was defensively. Mm -hmm. And that that's the thing. It's like giving these kids opportunities. Well, you know, people are calling me in the post-game show going, oh, my God, our record, our record. You know, at some point you got to let the record go 
and you got to say you need to find an extreme amount of young players, as many as you possibly can. And you know what? This year is still that kind of year. You need it's, – it's like a stable of horses. You don't need to go out and buy two really super expensive older horses. You need to go out and find a group of a ton of horses that are young and hope X amount of them come out and can run in the race. Yeah, I'm sorry, I got a notification. Bobby's on his way up as well. But yeah, last year you got to put the the, the 50 wins and uh, worrying about the wins behind it because you're looking for the growth of the team and who's going to be part of the future going forward for the A's. And we saw some guys step up and a big and along with Ryan Noto, we saw what Galoff brought. We saw what some of the young starting pit JP Sears had a great year. I know we're we're not going to say he's young because he's 28, but he's still young and experienced. So they they saw some building blocks right from for this year and going forward. So it was, it was a good. Don't don't worry about the 50 wins. I mean the team's going to be better. Fan, Fangraphs has 73 this year. 73. Oh, my God. 73 if the A's had 73 wins this year? If the A's have 73 wins this year, I'm going to tell you right now, Bobby Crosby I'm going to give a lot of love to and say he's he, he's been a big part of that because he absolutely has been a big part of – watch that yep. – of that. Uh, before we start talking about fantasy camp, we know how much you love being out here for fantasy camp. Uh, it's really our first time to talk to you. Congratulations on the promotion. You're back in the big leagues. Thank you. I appreciate it. I'm looking forward to it. I can't wait. Yeah, I got to think for you, I mean, you're meant to be in the big leagues, right? So it's like, it's like. so what was it like when you found out that was going to happen? Well, Cots called me. You know, we had a conversation. It went really well. Uh, you know, I enjoyed managing. I really did. But I'm happy to be there. I think I can help out. So it'll be good. Uh, a lot of people know how I feel because I've said it on this show. I do think you will be a manager in the big leagues. You learned a lot. You know, just, you know, sticking with the theme of seeing all these legendary coaches step away or break apart from the organization. When we look at, you know, Nick Saban and, and, and we look at Pete Carroll, it was yesterday, today Bill Belichick. You know, when I look at it, someone like your career, all you need to do is you need to go to those guys as wikipedia pages and you see how they started right you know they were a db coach here and then they were a coach that i mean it's a long list of all the different schools and then places in the nfl and before they ever became a head coach i when i when i put into baseball sense just in how you're growing how important was it for you to get that opportunity to manage and now you're going to get to the big league level and you're going to be doing a lot more individual coaching. But just how important was it for you to get that experience? Oh, it's huge. I mean, there's things about the game that I learned, the pitching side, uh, calling, calling games, you know, picking over at certain times. Uh, just the whole well-rounded game aspect of it, I guess. You know, I came as an infield guy. And then after three years of managing, I feel like I learned a ton. I mean, how to deal with, with players better, how to deal with uh, different personalities and things like that. And now I'm back in the more the individualistic role. Yeah. But, uh, you know, those three years were, were huge for me. You know, I, I thought I had a pretty good grasp of the game, the ins and outs, but um, I learned a lot. It was really good. Yeah, and, and the one thing that I always like to ask when, when someone's had that kind of opportunity because we think is here in sports and we're thinking about how do you make a guy better, but, but such a huge part of that role of whether you're going to be a manager, you're going to be a head coach, you're really going to be a leader of men. You got to really 
learn how to deal with humans. You got to learn how to communicate. You got to start understanding that all these guys that they've got problems away from the field. Just talk about how learning how to manage people beyond can you pick up a ground ball? Can you hit? Can you th- throw a strike? You're dealing with human beings and you have to you have to help them grow as people and deal with the issues they may be having. Correct. I mean, I mean the the baseball aspect is is a big part, you know, their their skills on the field, but their mental aspect is is bigger. That's usually the separator from a really good minor leaguer to a really good big leaguer. So finding out, you know, about different guys, what makes them tick, what makes them good, what makes them bad, if they're having a good day, a bad day, and why. Um, those are things that I think, you know, you can lift a player up and make them a lot better if you know, you know, what they're about. Uh, so having 27 guys in the clubhouse and, and learning about every single one of them, it, you know, could be a challenge at times, but it's something I enjoy. You know, I, I really enjoyed you know, picking these guys' brains and finding out, you know, uh, how I can make them better and taking myself out of it on the way I like to coach, but it's more how they like to learn and, and, and really dive into them. You know, I, we were just talking about it right before you came up. When you start looking around our own division, and Texas hasn't done a lot. They've got guys that are going to be counting on later in the year, pitching-wise, you know, big-time names like DeGrom and Scherzer who have been injured. You know, we have no clue what the Angels are going to look like. The Astros, it's kind of interesting how they're starting to change their roster. Seattle's not spending money. You know, the A's are interesting with a lot of young guys, and you've managed a lot of those young guys who are now getting the taste. Just talk about how really Oakland being the land of opportunity I'm not saying anything about win totals or challenging for a division. I'm not saying – I'm just saying, look out. It could be more interesting than you think in 2024. I think it really will. I, I think, uh, you know, I think Soderstrom with a fresh start is going to be awesome. I think Butler with a fresh start is going to be awesome. Geloff continue what he's going to do. We have a lot of interesting pieces and a lot of talent that once these guys feel maybe a little bit more comfortable to get their feet wet, it could be really interesting. I think our pitching staff uh, is going to be really good. So – you know, I think we could surprise some people. I think, you know, I know how Kotz manages. Uh, I know how he's respected. I know how he wants things done the right way. Uh, and I think these guys are going to feed off it. I think we're going to continue to grow and continue to get better. And I, I, I think we'll surprise people. I mean, it'll be really good. When you have that taste like a lot of guys had last year, how important is it for them to get that, to have this off season where the carrot's been dangled in front of them like, this offseason is so big for these guys because, as you said, now they're going to come in kind of like a, a fresh start Well, they'll go to spring training and they understand what it's like to be on the plane, in the hotels, to play in front of the media and the fans and everything. So talk about how you get that taste and this offseason is so big for these guys to build going into this year. It's huge. I mean, I don't care who you are, maybe unless you're Zach Eloff, but – you know, you, you look at the big leagues, and sometimes it could be bigger than just baseball. I know when I got called up in September of 03, I went 0 for 12 with, like, seven strikeouts and made three errors. And I was like, geez. You know, and I made the big leagues bigger than it was. It wasn't just baseball. Um, so it was big for me to have that offseason and, and mentally prepare on what I'm about to do. So I think for, for Tyler and Love and, you know, and, and numerous guys, for them to have a little taste and now be able to go into the season where their batting average is zero, they don't have any at-bats, and they can start building that confidence. And they, you know, they know they belong there, but, you know, a few hits in there, you know, at the beginning would be great to kind of get them on a roll and get started. And I know both of those guys, who I'm talking about Law and uh, Soderstrom, you know, they're guys that are going to build. As soon as they start hitting, 
they could do something pretty special. So I think it's really big that they got that little piece uh, last year and they can come to this year with a little bit more confidence. Soderstrom's so young. He's so young and so good. And I've, I've been asked that a lot here. You know, oh, what do you think of Tyler? She can go, he's, 20, he's 21. I mean, the, guy, <laughs> the guy has raked his entire life. Yeah. He raked all the way up through the minor leagues. And the big league sometimes can be like a little woe factor. You know, it could be like, and take a step back, and these, these pitchers are good, and they're going to find a way. But Tyler is not going to just all of a sudden forget how to hit. The guy can fly out hit, and he's going to hit, and he's going to hit for a long time. So he's one of those guys I never worry about. I don't, you know, people might at, at you know might have at certain times last year, but I don't. I know he's going to hit. Geloff just seems special, Yep. right? And I had a comp. And I know I throw the comp out, and for a lot of people, it's kind of an older reference. Not too old, but a, but for me growing up, watching a lot of WGN. Because yeah. when we first got cable in the 80s, right, there wasn't a lot of baseball on cable, right? That's right. And it was Ryan Sandberg, who was big for a second baseman, could run, could hit for power, could hit to all fields. I mean, there's a reason why he's in the Baseball Hall of Fame. But a lot of people would forget a young Ryan Sandberg could steal 30 to 40 bases in a year. And I was looking out at Geloff, and everybody, like, they had, like, Ian Kinsler. I'm like, I don't see. I I, I get Ian Kinsler's a terrific player. I don't see a comp between it. Ryan Sandberg, especially young Ryan Sandberg, reminds me of Zach Geloff. You remember Sandberg? Absolutely. That's a great comp. I mean, it's great for Zach. I mean, it's it's, – Yeah. But but it's it's, – I can see it. I mean, he's a guy that can be an outstanding player for a long, long time. He has that – I talk about the mentality that separates guys. He has a mentality that he's always hungry. No matter how he did the day before, he comes in and he's hungry, and he has one of the best routines out there. He continues to want to get better. I don't care if he goes and has a 20-20 season this year, 33, whatever he does, he's going to want to come back and he's going to want to be better. And he has that little little edge or little chip that he is not going to stop. He's going to continue to drive and continue to try to lift up other people, and his attitude is always so good. He's, he's special. He really is. I saw a play, it's probably a couple weeks into him being here. And obviously, he's been a guy that's been around on the left side of the diamond. He's now playing on the right side. But I, I, I really honed in on this, especially uh, in the postgame show once I saw it, is there's just there's natural leaders. There's certain guys on the field that you see, and it doesn't matter what the sport is. You'll see it in football. You'll see it in basketball. There's just certain guys who are the dudes. And there was a play. It was a pop-up, high sky in Oakland, right? Everybody's struggling with it. Nick Allen's kind of looking around. Jordan Diaz looking around. And I can't remember who the pitcher was. And, and it was really Jordan Diaz's ball. Out of nowhere, here comes Zach Geloff out of nowhere. And basically was like, get the hell out of the way. I got it. Caught it. Turned around went to run back. And I said, did everybody, after the game, like, did everybody see that? That's what the guy who takes control, that's what the leader is. He basically told everybody, get the hell out of the way. I'm getting the out. And and he was keeping the runner at first and no had the runner at first. Yeah. I'm like, that's stuff you don't teach. Yeah, he, he's, a, he's a leader. He's a winner. And, and he's fearless. He is not scared. As you saw, he gets up to the big leagues. And for him, he's one of those rare guys who just goes, oh, it's baseball. I'm good at baseball. I can do this. And and I know when he came to that clubhouse and there was a few other guys and young. He was the leader. I mean, he came in, and, and, and guys gravitate to, to Zach. 
They really do. They, they, they follow his lead because of the way he goes about his business, the way he prepares, and the way he plays the game. He plays it hard. He plays it confident. And guys want to be around Zach. Guys gravitate to him. So he's a, he's a born leader, and uh, you know he's only going to get better. And I think he has a desire to make everybody else around him better. And if he sees somebody struggling with something, he has no problem going up to him and talking to him and saying, hey, I do this. How about this? How about this? He's a confident kid. Butler, we love. Yeah, I mean, obviously. So do I. Uh, he said he used to. He, he says he still watches the show. So, what up, Law? Law's watching. Law's the man. Yeah. Uh, just love what he brings to the yard. Yeah. Love the like, like, like and he struggled a little bit offensively. Yeah. Like, like, how do you view him long term? He he's similar uh, in a Soderstrom thing where he he has that ability in a big situation to be calm, confident, and 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 come up big. Uh, the confidence is he's not short on it. You know, I think he got to the big leagues, and, and he is having that little period, or he had that period, where, you know, big league pitchers are really good. But when the lights come on, Law is ready. Law, Law likes the attention. He likes the pressure situation. He's not scared of it. Uh, he wants it. So uh, he's going to hit for a long time. He's going to be really good. He's only going to get better. I mean, we're talking about a, a high school kid who has made huge strides over the past two, three years, like big strides. Uh, and, you know, over time, he's just going to get better and better. And the more he understands his swing and understands his approaches and how people are pitching him, because uh, the talent is 100% in there. Uh, he's an uber athlete with, with great baseball skills. Yeah, down there working with Marquise Grissom, you like to hear that. Yeah. And the thing that I thought about with uh, with him was like, man, I I love him in center. Yeah. I know everyone's like, oh, he's going to be a right fielder. A right fielder. I mean, he's need a center fielder, a guy who can legitimately play center field. I don't know if it's going to be J.J. Blade or if it's going to be Law, but I, I – what do you think about Law on center? He can do it. He can play in all spots. I mean, if you look at his, his body, you might say he's a you know he's a big kid. You know, yeah. he maybe he's more of a left or right fielder, but he can move and he's got good baseball instincts. And uh, you know, we were playing at the same time you guys were last year, so I, you know I didn't get to see his jumps and routes as much as I'd, I'd like to. But I, I've dove into it a little bit this off season, and and there are things that you know right off the bat where he could be a hair more aggressive, I believe. And and it's going to be you know he's only going to get better as as time goes on. But he can be a center fielder. There, there's no doubt about. He has the speed. He has the instincts. And the more reps he's got or he gets, he's, he's only going to get better and better. All right, somebody we are almost going to have on the program. It just didn't work out, but we will because I, I, I played with his agent. Uh, is Denzel Clark. Yeah. Denzel Clark's a good kid, uber athlete once again. There we go, yeah. Tell us all about because a lot of us haven't seen him. It was great that he got the experience with Team Canada and the WBC. Tell us about Denzel Clark. He's one of those guys that if I'm coaching third, the umpire wants to know about him, the third baseman wants to know about him. They see the plays he makes, and it's not stuff you see. I mean, he'll climb up a you know a 15-foot wall and, and almost rob a home run. I mean, it's stuff that is not normal for baseball players to do. Uh, the baseball skill side of it, he's still coming into his own. Uh, the athletic side, it's one of the best athletes I've seen on a baseball field. It is, it's, uh, it's head and shoulders above everybody else on the field when it comes to being an athlete. He's so strong. When he came up to Double A, he had seven homers in the first couple weeks, I believe. Um, Oppo homers in Midland, which don't happen too often. He's so strong. He's so wiry. He's so fast. He has every athletic tool you can have. And once the little small baseball skills catch up to that, and how he goes about taking bats, he just has to polish a few things. Once he does, I mean, he's he's one of those guys that you go to the field to watch, and you and you pay you know you pay to watch him play, and he does stuff that you haven't seen before. 
Well, Fantasy Camp's a lot of fun. We wanted to have you on because because obviously the promotion coming back to the big leagues is big. And also, you know, these guys that we're going to see in the big leagues, you've been a big part of their career. You'll continue to be a big part of their career. But that's also a great story. But also, it's time to dethrone Dallas Bray. It's time to take him down. I'm actually coaching with him. What? Yeah. I mean, we, 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 You're stacking the deck? Yeah, but we're, I think we're getting smoked right now. <laughs> um, yeah, we uh, last year we they split us up. The past years before that, we always coached together. But they split us up la- last year, and he beat us um, in the championship game, which was tough. Uh, but they put us together now, and we're going to see. I think we're getting crushed right now. But. Yeah, just quickly, just the the, the – the friendships, it's, it's you, you can't say it enough. What you guys have been able to build with these fans here at Fantasy yeah. Camp, something really special. Yeah, it's awesome. I mean, they love coming. We love watching them play. We love uh, giving them a hard time. Uh, everybody, everybody knows Dallas. He's, you know, he's the perfect guy to come out here and and uh, and you know give people a hard time. And uh, and I, I enjoy it. I, I enjoy teaching them. I enjoy talking to them. They have so many questions and want to know about how things are in the minor leagues and the big leagues and. And we're very open and honest with them, and and they get a you know an experience for a week that uh, is pretty cool. I mean, they get to be big leaguers for a week, and and uh, for me, it's it's amazing too. I get to be around. You know, I grew up an A's fan, so to be around Steiny and Stewie and uh, and Carney, like being around these guys for me is is just as cool as you know the campers here. So it's it's a it's a good time. I'll tell you what, we're going to really look forward to having you on Ace Cast Live a lot this year. I can't wait. It's, it's going to be a lot of fun, and uh, I know it's going to de- definitely help out the coaching staff. It's going to be big. Yeah. Good to see you. You too, Tommy. Be well. Good luck uh, with, with Dallas and his, as he's trying, he's trying to repeat. Yeah, nobody wants him to win. And it's like, I, I, I mean, I mean I'm kind of lumped in with him. I'm not as loud and as brash as he is. But uh, he's uh, he's pretty loud. And, and everybody knows that he won it last year. And, yeah, no one's no one's rooting for us. Next time we'll see you, spring training. Yeah, I can't wait. I'm, I'm excited. All right, coming up next, we got more right here on A's Cast Live. This is Chris Townsend and Commander Cody for Link Soul. you got to go to their website right now, linksoul.com. The new polos are unbelievable. New colors, lighter weight. I couldn't be happier. I look better, all thanks to Link Soul. So we're talking about new polos. You can check out their shorts. Anything you need, they have it right now. When you go to their website, they've got a smoking summer deal. Go to linksoul.com. That's linksoul.com. Streaming from the town, A's Cast Live continues with Chris Townsend. By the way, uh, I'm busting out the new jacket for the first time. It looks like that's the Scott Emerson. Emo's always wearing that jacket. Yeah. I realized I had them in my jacket and they never took the tags off. You know how much A's stuff I got that I've never taken the tags off? I saw it sitting and here, and I was like, did you just buy that right now? No, I just I just never took the tags. I don't even know what year. Is it from last year or two years I ago? I think, actually, the more I think about it, I think you got that last year at spring training because, remember, we were worried about how cold it was at spring training. Yes. Maybe that's when I got it, and I just didn't wear it during the season. I thought it would be a good time to bust it out. Some new A's gear. How's the colors looking on the new camera? Uh, it's looking better. Everyone I've talked to um, – they, everyone says it looked. They looked. They love how it looks. They said yeah. they, they enjoyed the Bobby Crosby interview. You did a good job asking about all the guys that are on the team now and Denzel Clark and. Well, that's where Bobby is going to be so huge for Mark Kotze, is the fact that you know he knows how he knows how all these guys are right. He he knows he knows what makes them tick, and. 
that is such a big thing to be able to, you know, have that kind of resource with these young players because he's developed such a great relationship with these young players. And Carney Lansford knows all about coaching and the communication, and that's, you know, what's going to be big. He's an absolute A's legend, and he's joining us once again here on A's Cast Live. And we just had Bobby Crosby, and we talked about how big it is it's going to be for Mark Kotze that Bobby's now going to be on the staff because yeah. because Bobby's managed all these guys recently in AAA. That's a huge. I mean, AA. That's a huge advantage to have somebody that's that's already been working with those guys, know what they can do, what they can't do. You know what I mean? So that it's it's, it's great for for uh, the A's organization to have him at first base now. Yeah, because how many times as a hitting coach you'd get a guy fresh. You know nothing about him. You don't know what makes him tick or whatever. It's yeah. isn't it nice to have like a coach you can say, hey, what 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 makes this guy? What motivates this guy? How do you get him going? Yeah, yeah, it, absolutely. Anytime you have an advantage like that, uh, it, it'll be nice for him to be able to to use that. Because um, obviously Bobby knows those guys. Like you said, he coached them. He knows what they can do, what they're best at, or whatever. So that's a huge advantage. Now, I heard it yesterday. Of course, we were there, but yesterday I heard it for the first time in just a, like, you know, the more casual setting when they go, Oakland A's Hall of Famer. (laughs) And then the crowd just, you know, erupts last night. And I was thinking to myself, God, that's got to feel good. What does that feel like now? Oakland A's Hall of Fame. You're in a, you know, there's only 30 teams, and you're in one of those teams' Hall of Fame. Yeah. That's uh. I'm still shocked, actually. But last year when, I, when we had the ceremony, uh, to be included in that mix with those guys that are already in there, the, the Rudys and Campaneras and all the guys that I watched growing up. Because that's the, what's different about you. Yeah, and you I, grew up in the Bay Area. You right, saw all those teams. I, I, I used to go to the Coliseum and watch these guys play. And I actually got a chance to play with Joe, Rudy, and Campy. And so... You know, it was just, just to be included in that group is just amazing to me. So it's an honor. Um, it's, it's nice, and, and I'm looking forward to the guys that are going in this coming year. Yeah, and when you know when you think about it, I mean, you'll be there forever. You'll be always. Exactly. You know, when you think about that, you'll be there forever, and you should be the greatness that you are part of, and, and really being the captain of those tremendous teams. Um, it, yeah, it's it, it's definitely special, and that's why I always think for you too, always a little bit special because you are a guy that grew up down in the South yeah. Bay, and you grew up you grew up a huge A's fan. Right, right. So, like you said, it is. It's a huge honor, and and really, you know, that's the first thing you think about. What you mentioned there is like it's forever. You're in you're in that Oakland A's Hall of Fame forever. They can't take that. Nobody can take that away from yeah. you. Yeah. So, um, just to be included in that group and and uh, you know be be you know, one of the best all-time A's players, basically, is what they're saying. So to be included in that is just amazing to me. And I think the guy that I believe you and Terry are managing again, right, together? Yeah, we are, yeah. Uh, I got to think he's going to be going into, you got to think, truly, I mean, when you look at great A's catchers, especially Oakland A's catchers, yeah. I mean, he's he's the he's best right Oakland. Th- yeah. yeah, yeah, he is. And, and I said it, uh, they interviewed me on TV and radio last year when I went in. And I said that I hope Terry gets in here because he deserves it. Uh, he handled that pitching staff so well and what he brought offensively as well. We, we don't do what we did for four or, four or five years without him. Yeah, it's amazing. You know, it's 
three straight trips to the World Series. It's so hard to win one. Yeah. People just don't like it's 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 like when you start talking about teams that win multiple Super Bowls or multiple NBA titles or multiple World Series. People just don't understand because we're here at a spring training facility. Like it all starts here and it ends in October. People just don't understand how hard it is and what has to happen. Yeah. To even get to three straight. Yeah, you got to stay motivated as a as a team. Um, that's what we were. I mean, we were a motivated team, and Tony Larusa made sure that we were. You know, he stayed on us pretty good. Uh, and he actually says it, and I believe it too. That that team should have won at least two World Series. We should have won more than one. But like you said, we got there three times. We won one. That's a really hard thing to do. But that '89 team, and Tony says it. So I believe it. Uh, he says that was the best team he'd ever managed. That includes the teams he had in St. Louis, too, because he won two world championships yeah. there. So, um, yeah, that was a pretty darn good team. We had no weaknesses whatsoever on that team. We had great pitching, great offense, and a great bench, and a great bullpen. And you had some really big personalities. Yes, we did. And somebody's got to be the guy. Somebody's got to... So harness, I guess. I don't know. You, you're the one who did it. What was it like being basically the leader of all these big personalities? And some guys were a pain in the you know what. Let's be honest. Every team has that. Exactly. <laughs> but somebody's got to be the guy that's got it because it can't. It can't all come from the manager. Yeah. It can't. Can't. Can't all come from the coaches. Like, how did it? You. You were a veteran guy. Right. How did it come about? You were going to be. You were the leader and just. What was it like corralling all these guys? You know, I think leadership, a lot of it is is what you do as far as your work habits. You know, I was always out there early every day. I did my soft toss. I, I just got my work in and was on time. I did, and, and, you know, we expected guys to, to give their best effort day in and day out. And so I think that's, that's more than anything else. Your work habits as a player is what they see, the other players. And so if they see you putting in time and effort and that you care and you want to win, that's the biggest thing is I, I wanted to win because I watched the early 70s A's win three straight World Series, and, and I wanted to do that at least once when I got to Oakland. I wanted to bring, help bring that back. So I think guys just understood that, that we, we expected to win and we expected everybody's best effort every day. And if you didn't give that, then somebody was in your ear. Yeah, the great Shooty Babbitt actually joked around about it a little bit last night where you had to sacrifice, right? Because yeah. obviously as a hitter, there were certain things you may want to do, but you have the greatest base stealer in the history of the game always on first base, so yeah. you have to have show patience. You have to maybe take pitches you don't want to take. But I think that also reflects why you were a captain. You were willing to do that. Well, you know, Ricky and I, when I first went to the A's, we didn't really communicate that well. But when he came back to us from the Yankees, we sat down right away and we talked and we said, look, you know, it's a tough enough thing to hit second behind you because you're going to you want to steal bases. And that's what helps the team. So he, we actually came up with a, a sign when he's on first base, like he'd pick the, the edge of his pants. If he was going to run because I didn't want to take a strike if he's not going to run. Yeah. But if you know you're going to go that pitch, give me a sign. Pick the pant, you know, your pant leg or whatever, and I'll take that pitch for you. And I told him, I said, you know, there's there's some pitchers that I can give two strikes to and still feel confident hitting, but there's some pitchers out there where I need three swings to have a chance. And he's like, don't worry about it, I'll get it myself. If if you know, just tell me who it is. 
So before games, I'd say, hey, I can give you two on, on this guy, or this guy, I'll give you a strike, or you know, sometimes like, hey, I can't give you anything today. I got, I'm battling for you know, for my at bat. So uh, once we got, once we got that sign down, everything was so much better, so much better. Because I didn't know when I first got there, I knew he stole bases, but I. I didn't know I needed to take a strike or two, and I'm an aggressive hitter. I'm not a, <laughs> I want to go hack it. I'm a guy that likes to hit one two all the time. So it takes, you know, it takes that willingness, though, that you got to have that confidence in yourself that you can hit with two strikes. You know, when you when you talk about hitting, it doesn't matter if the ball's moving or the like golf, the ball's not moving. Yeah. The amount of time that you need to put in with your fundamentals, uh, the skill of it training the hand-eye coordination, training your eyes and everything. To be a great hitter as someone who, obviously being a batting champion, hitting over 300, then being a batting coach, you know what? Just just talk about the art of hitting and just the amount of work. If you're going to be a great hitter and now with the ability to look at all the film and the pictures, just how much work that goes into it? It takes a lot of time. It's day in and day out. It's what I call work habits. It's getting to the ballpark early and going down to the cage and getting your soft toss or tee work or whatever it is every single day. You know, I first came up with the Angels uh, in 78. I was 21 years old, and I was, that was a team of veterans, Joe Rudy and, and Nolan Ryan, Don Baylor, Bobby Gritch, and those guys. I mean, those guys, I was the only young guy. So I never really talked to the hitting coach. He didn't really pay attention to me. But I did pretty well. But I didn't know how to hit the ball to right field. If I hit it to right field, it was like an accident. But when I went, got traded to Boston in 1981, Joe Rudy actually got traded the next trade after me. He went to Boston, too. And we got in spring training, and he says, hey, you got to grab me by the shirt. He says, I want you to come talk to this guy over here. His name was Walt Riniak. Yeah. And he was a disciple of Charlie Lau, yeah. who was a very famous hitting coach. And so Walt, from day one, just kind of asked me a few questions about my hitting style, this and that. And then we got – he taught me every day in the cage how to stay back and drive the ball the other way. So from that time, that actually I went from 1980 with the Angels, I think I hit 262 or something like that. Well, the first year with him, working with him, day in and day out, I won a batting title, yeah. 336. And from then on out, I just stayed with what he taught me every day. Which is strange, though, in Boston, because you're thinking right-handed. You want to be ripping them off the monster that, all day long. You know what? I used to watch teams come in, and I and I would literally laugh at some of their swings because they're trying to hit the ball of the monster instead of using the whole field like you normally would. They would change how they tried to play, and they were, you know, a lot of guys were not successful doing that. I just kind of laugh like they don't know. They don't know. They need to stay disciplined and try to hit the ball back up the middle or, or the right field and just pull the ball. You know, when you react on the ball's end, you're supposed to. Then you pull that ball. But I see guys on the, being pitched on the outside part of the plate trying to hook the ball over that wall. So we actually use that against them. <laughs> well, that was the first time I ever went to Fenway Park and you step on the field. It looks like it's just right there. Yeah. It's just like right there. And you, you think, I can hit that so easy. It's unbelievable. You know what? Tom Bergmeyer was a left-handed reliever for us in Boston. And then he came to the A's the year before I did. And he used to have a saying in, in Boston about, you know, he, he would say, the wall giveth and the wall taketh away. <laughs> because, literally, if you drove a ball that would normally be a home run to left center field, it would hit off the top of the wall. So you end up with a double instead of a home run. Yeah. And that happened to me. Uh, he, you know, he used to say that. And it happened once or twice to me. I'm like, 
Yeah, you're right. It does. It gives, you know, if you're able to pull the ball, uh, it gives you home runs, but it takes home runs away too. So for a lot of the young hitters that will end up watching this, like at this time of the year, you know, we get past Christmas, we get past New Year's, you start thinking about your season coming up. Actually, the college season is just about to start. But yeah. like at what point for you was it, yeah, you'd be doing some soft toss, work on the tee. What point did you really start? I want to start seeing some live pitching. What was it like for you and what would you recommend? You know, uh, in, after the 80 season, my wife and I, we got traded to Boston. And we moved up to northeastern Oregon. Joe Rudy got us up there. And, uh, you know, the winter there, there's a lot of snow. So, it's you know, it's not – you have to go, go to a gym and throw and hit in a gym. So, uh, you know, I think after the season was over every year, you get like a month to heal up and whatever. Uh, just don't even think about baseball. But then after that, then you start getting back into to hitting off the tee and soft tossing and stuff like that. So it's it's – pretty much you know november you start doing that again and getting ready for spring training so all right so this is the year you got to knock dallas Braden off um obviously <laughs> last year was very uncomfortable uh having to listen to him for a lot of people how, how's your ball club you and steiny how's your club looking this year this year down at uh, here at, at fantasy camp well we we did the draft this morning and we felt like we drafted pretty good yeah we had some guys from our team last year that did really well we started off five and oh last year and we ended up losing because we hit into a triple play <laughs> which you never see in fantasy camp but we we actually pulled that off we hit into a triple play with the bases loaded in the tie game so uh no, we're doing good. We got a couple innings in over there. Um, we're trying to the first few days, the first couple days, just really trying to feel guys out, see what they, you know, some guys say, yeah, I can pitch, and they can't, and some guys say, yeah, I can play first base, but they can't really. So we have to figure that out and make adjustments as we go along. So that's what we're doing today is just trying to see what we have out there. We know a few guys can do, but a lot of guys we've never seen play before, and some of them are, are first timers. So. Uh, but they're all great people. That's the main thing. We just want them to come here. They're diehard fans for doing this. And we just want to see them come here and have fun. Yeah, and so many of them, you know, they grew up watching you. They grew yeah. up idolizing you. I mean, I'm sure the the story times and everything, yeah. uh, if you could just talk about that before you get out of here, just how much fun it is that, that – they just want to hear you talk and be around you because they grew up and, as you said, you like you in the '70s guys. Yeah. That's them for you. That, that's you for them. Yeah. Well, what we try to do is give them the experience that it, you know the things that really go on uh, during the season and during uh, spring training and stuff. I mean, we're always messing with each other as players, and so they get to see us out here doing that, and they have a good time watching that and listening to that stuff. And they're like, "Hey, you guys think we're just doing this for show? This is what actually goes on yeah. during the regular season." So we always give each other a hard time and, and just have a lot of fun with it. So we give them a little hard time, you know, so they, they can they experience that too. But at the same time, we want them to have fun. We want them to enjoy their entire time here. If they want to pitch, then they get to pitch. They're paying for that experience, and whether they're good at it or not. You know, if they, they want to play certain positions, we want to win because we know they want to win. But we also want them to experience what they came here to do. They want to, if they signed up to pitch, or let them pitch. If they signed up to play outfield, let them play outfield, catch, whatever. So we try to work with them at the same time, try to win at the same, you know. Let them have fun, but try to win. Oakland A's Hall of Famer. <laughs> yeah. 
Sounds good. Sounds good to me. Sounds Works. good. <laughs> we always appreciate the okay. time. My pleasure. Good luck the rest of the camp, and uh, hopefully you'll go win a championship. Okay. I hear you. That Take sounds good to Take down Dallas Braden. That's right. <laughs> I'm going to go have some fun with these guys. No doubt. We All appreciate right. it. Okay. The great Carney Lance for joining us right here on A's Cast Live. Do we have Eno Saris? Uh, yeah, give me one hey, second. Hey, did I do a good job holding this down? <laughs> Hold on, let me add it is Eno. a little windy here. All right, hold on. Hold on. We got his open, too. Hold on. It's been a while. Getting back into this. I mean, the wind is it's really by Field Work Brewing Company. Let's start, well, let's start this over. Here we go. Let's start. Here we the go. The Eno Saris Show is sponsored by Field Work Brewing Company. With eight taproom locations in Northern California, Field Work brings you fresh craft beer direct from the source. Field Work will also ship beer direct to your door if you live in California. Visit fieldworkbrewing.com. Eno Saris, how are you, my friend? Good. Are you guys cold? No, actually, it's, um, I don't find it that bad. But then again, I've been playing golf in the Bay Area every day where it's been cold. So this has been like what I've been dealing with. For these guys, the though. The commander's got a puffy jacket on. I, uh, I, I was, you know, I, was, I made the joke. I was just in Pittsburgh for five days. It was 20 degrees. It was not windy there like it is here. I can't believe the weather right here. <laughs> it is here. not. It, this is not bad at all. Are you kidding me? Why is it? Why is it the guy from California is not soft, and the guy from Pennsylvania he acts like he's Nanook of the North here? Yeah, it's got a. He's got a like a a, a snow. You you think we're like in Salt Lake City and or, or ski? But whatever. I mean, I mean, we're not that far from Sedona. It's snowing we're in there. We're Vail, Colorado, and skiing. Forgot Tahoe. So oh, I gotta call my mom. It's snowing in Sedona. All right, so it's a little cold. Is it snowing in Sedona? They showed. I saw it on Instagram or something. There was like snow there. The I'm supposed day. to play golf Sunday in Sedona. What is- Hold on, <laughs> I'll check the weather while you guys do this. All right, all right. Um, my first big question for you, actually, it's a two part, because we were in Gilbert, Arizona last night, and the downtown still has all the Christmas lights up. A bunch of people still have their Christmas lights. This was January 10th. My question for you, how late can you rock the Christmas lights before you have to go, bro, you got to take them down? We have like, we like make a big deal out of it and do it before they go back to school. So it's always the first week of January. Okay. But I, for your neighbors, at what point do you have to go to your neighbor and go, it's t- you got to take them down? I, you know, I, I appreciate, like, we live in one of those neighborhoods where they kind of go all out for Halloween. There's like, we have a neighbor who has like a whole pirate ship, like, like literally like almost like a life-size pirate ship. So like they, I almost feel like people should have lights that are up all season and you could change the colors. Well, they do do that. It's going to cost you about 3,500. They'll come put them on your house and you're going (laughs) to, they change for Valentine's day. They can do exactly. My wife looked into it, but, um, at some point, though, the Christmas stuff's got to come down. I, I, I mean, I think we're, I, I, for me, we're approaching it because Christmas is is such a like, you blast open the presents. I got these young kids, you know, like it's it's such like an orgy of capitalism, and then like I kind of want to. I'm already, I'm the dad who's like already cleaning up as they're like taking part. Oh presents. yeah, you're that guy. <laughs> All right, the number two is so, when do you I'm st- cool. Like it, they should be down by now. I think. When, when when do you stop saying Happy New Year? Oh man. Because uh, yeah. I could have said Happy New Year, but it's January 11th. Yeah, uh, you got to stop by the end of January at least. 
Larry David says after three days it's done. On after Curb January third, it was January third. No more happy. I think it was January third. No more Happy New Year. I kind of agree with that. All one. right, you know, so it's been a As long. As I get older, I get more Larry David like. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's really George Costanza. Larry David is yeah, like right. the real George Costanza. Yeah. Uh, okay, so it's been a while. It's been. I mean. We're talking for the first time, and we're on for the first time since the winter meetings in Nashville. Uh, not a ton has gone on, but really the the interesting thing for me that has happened, and it's really tough, I think, for a lot of the baseball media to wrap their arms around it, is when you look at the moves by the Dodgers, um, the Dodgers were smart all along with their Time Warner deal, and it, it looked like a bad deal early because so many people didn't get to watch their games. But they said, don't worry, long-term it's going to be big, and it has been. And at the same time, you got teams in their division, the Padres, the D-backs, the Rockies. They don't even have cable deals anymore. Uh, the Giants, they still have a cable deal. They just can't give anybody any money. Um Really, it's 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 funny to look at our game to see how our game is moving forward, and all the moves are being made, and it's a lot about cable money. Yeah, and I think that the teams that are doing well now and are, are have some money to spend and are, are and feel a little better about their financial futures are the teams that you know, like uh, with A's cast, like went out and like you know thought of new ways to do things. So the Chicago Cubs just took Shota Imanaga from basically the Giants. Um, and it wasn't a huge outlay, but it could go up to 80 million if, if he's a good pitcher uh, with all the options and stuff. And, you know, the and they're outspending, uh, you know, people that like the Arizona Diamondbacks who like don't know what their deal is. Like the yeah. Arizona Diamondbacks got taken over by MLB Network. Uh, and MLB, you know, did their production on their TV. Well, the Cubs you know, had to go through a couple years of austerity where people say, you need to spend any more than this. And they say, well, we just started up our own TV network. And like, we need to get that on, like we, they were trying to get that on, on the ground during, during the pandemic. So like they did that work and they get to kind of reap the rewards. So the teams that are doing the best are the teams like the Mets, the Yankees, uh, the Cubs, the, the teams that like came up with an alternate reality in terms of just I need to go to Bally's or I need to go to Comcast and get and, and depend on that money. That's like you're depending on somebody else's on some other arrangement that's depending on cable, which already we've seen from the numbers. People are cutting cable in droves. So, um, you know, I think it, it did. It did help the Dodgers and other teams to have some foresight. The Dodgers also are, did some really creative accounting. Um, you know, with uh, Yamamoto, with uh, a lot of their guys, Mookie Betts, a hundred million of that is deferred. Uh, you know, with uh, Shohei Otani, it's a, it's a ridiculous amount. It's like six hundred and eighty million of that is deferred. Um, and uh, it, it, the reason that deferring makes sense is twofold. You uh, not only is money later worth less than money now because of inflation, um, but also uh, you know. Part of the reason why the Giants have had a difficult time bringing people in is because of uh, the taxes in California. And so what uh, there's an interesting piece that's that's been out, but it's the, the most interesting thing about Otani's contract to me is, in essence, it's a tax dodge because he's going to get, you know, six hundred and ninety million dollars of this after he leaves California. Like he can he can receive that money 
somewhere else. He could receive it in Texas, Florida, Japan, wherever it is, and not pay the California state income tax on it. Um, and so I've, I've been telling people with the Giants, like they need to come up with something like that where they give a huge signing bonus or they put the money on the, on the back end. Um, and the Dodgers just went out and had a little bit of ingenuity when it came to the type of contract. That's interesting. I'm going to have to talk to my tax guy about that. He, I mean, you're not going to dodge all of it. Now, because Cal- I don't know, a lot of people don't know this. California won this in Supreme Court. They can tax anybody anywhere in the world. Yeah. California can literally go to, like, you leave California, you're still going to get bills from them. Now, it depends, like, there's, there's a lot of tax loopholes and stuff like that. But California have won the right in court to be able to tax you anywhere in the world if they've deemed you've profited off the state. It's crazy. So I bet you they I, I bet you this becomes a, a, a deal. This deal totally. in particular money deal becomes something they fight over. Yes, because you're paying almost if if you are in that tax bracket in California, your state taxes is almost fourteen percent. And and I've been but trying the, to say it and people, oh, they're rich. I'm like Baseball fans who are not rich don't understand that guys don't want to be taxed that much playing games in California. And guys will go play somewhere else if the money is apples to apples. You know, they yeah. people used to think, well, it's the Bay Area. Why wouldn't you want to live here? Well, I'll go live in Arlington, Texas, and make millions more because I'm not getting taxed I, the same. I think that's a big thing that's underlying. They're, they're like, oh, San Francisco. If people want to live in San Francisco. I'm like, no. I mean, it's an expensive city like any other you know, it has its ups and downs like any other. I think a lot of it's taxes, man. If you're going to get two of the same deals, you know, and one's going to be in Texas, one's going to be in Florida, you're going to take that other deal. So, uh, you know, I, I, I think that's a big part of it. And, uh, you know, but the, the precedent is you get paid, you get a game check, right? Like you get a weekly, you get a, you get your, you get a weekly check, you know, that's how you get paid. And you get, you the taxes are, it's really complicated for a player. You get taxed based on where you played that week. So every p- baseball player does pay some taxes to California. Oh, Because <laughs> they, yeah. anytime they're in California and they get a game check, like, you know, some of that goes to California. Yeah, you, they, what you have to think about is if you're a San Francisco giant, right? Let's say you're a giant. You're going to play games in L.A. You're going to play games in San Diego. You're going to play games in Oakland. You're going to play games in Anaheim. Well, it's not just 81. It's yeah, like it's all the other games you, know? you play. I mean, especially if you're in the NL West, you've got, you know, you've got, if you're a team in the NL, if you play in the NL West, you're going to play two other teams constantly in California. So it has a lot to do with it. And we always address that as a San Francisco thing. We never address that as an Oakland A's thing. Yeah, we never address that. We always say, well, so, they so, don't, they don't, they don't fish in the same pond necessarily. Free but that's what we've talked about. Oh, you build a new stadium. To, well, you'd be in the seven, the same problems that these other teams do when you talk about trying to land big free agents. But speaking of the A's and just having Bobby Crosby on and really thinking about it, because there, you know, there was a lot of negativity to last season, obviously, but you got to watch some young players and see some young players and say, okay, there's, there's a few guys that can play. You start looking around the division where we are on January 11th, you know, you know, Texas, we'll see. I'm obviously won the World Series. They're, they're going to be good. Uh, we'll see what's going to happen in Houston. I mean, obviously no clue about Anaheim, right? And then you got Seattle. Is, their cable deal is a mess, and they were a team that's supposedly in a window, and they're dumping money. 
What do you think about right now, January 11th? What do you think about the AL West? Yeah, I mean, the Astros uh, still project on paper as a team that, you know, is going to be top five, top ten. Um, but I don't know. Every year I believe that a little bit less. Um, as the, the core gets older, um, I'm not sure that the younger players that are coming in um, are the same quality as the ones before. And also their player development system, they're changing it. They're losing guys. They lost a guy to the Giants. They lost a guy. They lost uh, Sarah Jealous, who's a, a great analyst, to the Pirates. They're losing. They're actually in the process of losing more uh, from my sourcing. So, like, there's a, a bit of a brain drain happening from the Astros. Um, and so uh, I think they're gettable. And um, the Rangers had this really weird thing where – uh, not only did they kind of have a story, uh, a storybook ending to the season. I mean, they were a wild card that went through all the way through. Um, but they have a weird, they lost Jordan Montgomery. They don't have any money. We're just talking about this with Bally's. They couldn't really spend to, 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 you know, get new players. And they still have Max Scherzer and, and DeGrom hurt for the first half of the season. So they're going to go into the season in the, in their starting rotation um, they're going to have Nathan Yavaldi, who's often hurt, John Gray, who was hurt to end the season, Dane Dunning, Andrew Haney, who's hurt all the time, and then a guy from their minor leagues uh, because Scherzer and DeGrom won't be ready. So it's not a great rotation. And so they seem gettable. The Mariners just spent the offseason cutting money. I mean, they did the paperclip game a million times where they, they traded and traded and traded, but it looks like the same team they were last year with different names on the back of the jerseys. Um, so I think they're, they're gettable. So I, I mean, I could see 88 wins winning this division and uh, you know, that would be a little bit of a surprise for the A's, but you know, they're, 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 they're ascending and it's, it's all young players. So, you know, you never know what you're going to get. Yeah. I'm not saying I, I'm not projecting anything. I'm just saying, A's are going to be better. Younger players are going to be better. It's going to be a – could be a far more interesting year than people have thought. That's all I'm going to say. My my favorite player uh, on the A's is Joe Boyle. <laughs> the big kid, throws hard. I love his stuff. I know he has command issues, and he's and, and it's command issues are capital C. But this is the guy with the best stuff we've seen uh, in an A's jersey in a while, I think. And uh, I mean Mason Miller, but Joe Boyle can actually, uh, I think, start. I think Mason Miller is going to be their closer this year, is my yeah. guess. So with those two, they have stuff that can bang with anybody. They just need to get some guys to to fall into place behind them, I think. Well, you just start thinking. I mean, like we were talking about, if you, if all of a sudden you see Noda and Geloff and Ruiz and Wolf Rooker has another, like you start putting it together and go, I see something. Mm-hmm. I see something that's going to be a lot better than because the projections of every everybody has just wanted to focus on Vegas ballpark and. No one wants to actually address what's happening with the actual team. And that, to me, is a good thing for Mark Kotze and his staff going into spring training. Fine, don't focus on us, because at some point you do have to play games. Yeah, I, I, I wish they had um, – you know, what's, what's interesting is they seem to have a lot of pitchers that either have command and wide arsenals and not much stuff, or guys who have a lot of stuff and no command. So they've got the Medina Boyle crew <laughs> – and then they've got the more Sears Blackburn crew. Um, and, you know, it'd be great if they had somebody who had both. 
Uh, but, uh, you know, that's not that's not been uh, where they're shopping. So uh, I don't even do, know you, who has that anymore. You know, let's be honest. Yeah. I mean, the average team's going to use 12 to 13 starters. Uh, you know, I, I think it's ridiculous the way we cover our game now. Like I was listening on, on uh, MLB radio, Sirius XM. They mentioned, oh, and that's going to be their five. I mean. Who uses five guys? No one's right. used five guys. The last time we saw, was it the uh, the Tigers in 2000 when they played us? Was it 2013? Oh, they actually got like Ste- 200 each for They only used seven guys. starting pitchers. That's the last team. Like everybody's going to go through a ton of start. No one has five. You've got to have double digits. It's just a reality. Yeah, the Dodgers actually, without anybody really noticing it, uh, half of their, uh, their pitchers – uh, pitched half of their games on extra rest. So they were de facto kind of doing a six-man rotation. They just didn't talk about it and call it that, and we didn't report on it that way, but it, that's what it was. So, yeah, you're going to expect that Kyle Muller, uh, Joey Estes, uh, when Freddie Tarnock gets healthy, you know, Hogan Harris, those guys, uh, you know, they're not necessarily on the top five in the depth chart to start the season, but they're going to matter. And, uh, you know, so every everything you can get out of them. That's why I do think it was a big deal uh, that Pike Goldschmidt, the director of R&D, was put on a, a little bit of a player development uh, uh, track where that's that's more his focus right now. And uh, I think that's really important for them because, you know, more than almost any other team, the A's need to get as much as possible from the guys they already have. You know, so getting Hogan, the best out of Hogan Harris, getting the best out of Freddie Tarnock, that's going to be as important as who they trade for in the future or who they draft. Any of the big names that are still out there, are you shocked that they haven't signed, whether it's Snell, Hayter, Montgomery, uh, Bellinger, Chapman? Shocked that any of these guys haven't signed yet? It's January 11th. Yeah, I think the, the ones that do actually uh, surprise me a little bit are the closers because they're not waiting on Otani. Uh, they're not like, who who are they waiting for? Uh, you know, Hayter wants to beat the Edwin Diaz deal. You know, I guess maybe he's just waiting as long as possible to see if he can get it. And maybe he won't or he will. But uh, I'm a little, little surprised that Hayter hasn't signed. Snell uh, and Bellinger are really interesting. And Montgomery are really interesting because they lead the market right now. But they're not without questions. Cody Bellinger, you know, did have a great season last year, but he didn't hit the ball hard. It wasn't it wasn't MVP Bellinger. It was a new sort of version of Bellinger. So if you're signing him, you're worried. Is he going to come off a of center? Is the fact that he didn't hit the ball hard, is that going to come back to bite him? Snell was the Cy Young. And so you think, oh, you know, he should get whatever he wants. But he's also had like two out of every three seasons, he gets 120 innings. <laughs> So, you know, how worried are you about that? Montgomery just had this great run through the postseason. He struck out below average batters last year. And this is a league where everybody wants strikeouts. So the three best guys that are out there, they are interesting and good and will help teams, but they also have flaws. And so I think that's why teams are like, 
I, I know you're trying to tell me you're the best free agent left and you want the best, the money for the best free agent left. I'm trying to tell you that I see some flaws in, in what you're offering as well. Well, you know me, you know, I just, all I care about is stuff plus some barrel rates. That's it. <laughs> that's it. It's only asking me about you. That's what I say. That's all I want. It's the only thing I think about. They go, well, this guy, I'm looking, what's his barrel rate? What's his stuff? If, he, if you don't have his stuff plus, I'm, I'm out. I'm out. I don't want to hear about it. But yeah, yeah. I, th- I think I think Snell is like, finally, hey, if we're going to pay a lot of money, guy, we need some innings. Yeah. And he gives you 120, 130, 180. That's Ooh. that's what he's done every three seasons. Okay, if you're paying that kind of money and you only got 120, ouch. Um, Bellinger, keep hearing people don't like how hard he hits the ball. He had a rebound year. Where are you on Bellinger? I think it might be a trap. I mean, if he wants $200 million, I'm not giving it to him. Um, because I do care about things like Bell. Like, in fact, if somebody was <laughs> said something about Eno Saris, they might say he only cares about his stuff less apparently. Um, uh, but like last year, it's gonna be he, on your tombstone. Stuff plus barrel rate. He had his worst barrel rate of his career. Like somehow he hit 300. Well, and, 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 uh, and beer will be on your. Yeah, one of your tombstones. So I I don't know about that. And it was also, um, you know, I do think he's been a good defensive center fielder, but he's not like a Kevin Kiermaier. So like, I don't think I think at some point he's going to move off that. And so you're talking to me about a first baseman who doesn't hit the ball hard. That's a weird combination for me. And then Matt Chapman, it's like hell on wheels that first month. After that, he was terrible. And clearly and he hits the ball really hard, but he strikes out a lot. It seems like he has a hole at the top zone, same hole that we saw developing in Oakland. He kind of brought it with him. You can pitch him high in the zone. You know, I, I like him though, because at least if you buy Chapman, you're buying some defense. It's like you're buying some of Bellinger's aspects, um, but you're doing it for a lot less. I expect him to, uh, you know, sign for 75, 80 million. How do, how do we judge? Cause that, this is an interesting one. Chapman. Because I believe, didn't he have the best barrel rate in baseball last year? Um, let me look that up. But... He's top three. He's one of the best. But it's like he never hits it, but when he does, he hits it hard. So Yeah, he was second to Shohei Otani. He yep. was second? Okay, so he was second in barrel rates. Like, we care how hard you hit the ball, but yet he hit 206. Other than the first month, the entire year he hit 206, or some months he hit under 200. So as an Ital- as a talent evaluator, how do I really judge that? Like I look at the bail rate and I go, it's outstanding. The problem is he doesn't make enough contact to make me really justify how hard he hits the ball. How do you? How do I mean, you? One of the, he he you know he wasn't as bad as like a Jake Berger who struck out thirty three percent of the time. Chapman struck out twenty eight percent of the time, so it's not terrible. But you're right, he he misses the ball a fair amount. Uh, but you would say when he makes contact, he's good. He had a 330 OBP, so he gets on base. And then the big thing you would say is he didn't pull the ball. And so what can happen when you hit the ball really hard but you don't pull it is you're pushing it, and you're pushing it to the big part of the ballpark. And you're also what you're doing is you're – you know this from golf. You're not hitting it flush. Yeah. You're you're hitting it hard, but it's got that – what's it when, you, when it's – Fin to win, right? baby. Is that a hook or a fade? It's a fade, I, right? I can't see which, which way you're going. Well, like if I, right, if it's, it's spinning right away. If from you're me. going left to right spin like this, that is uh-huh. a fade. Yeah, so 
he's hitting fades. So he hits at 112, 1215 miles an hour. And that's great, but it, it performs more like a 100-mile-an-hour thing. Because and you're hitting it to so the deeper part of the par- ballpark because you're fading it. I got it. And yeah, you're hitting yeah, more yeah. into right oh. center, and it's easier to get. Catch. But the nice thing is you look at Chapman's history, you might say, well, maybe that's due to injury or some sort of approach because he pulled the ball 48% of the time in 2022 and, and had more homers. So I think, you know, personally, I would expect him to hit 240 with like 25 homers next year and league-leading uh, defense and be kind of a three-win player. So, you know, that's a guy I'm interested in putting on my team. All right, the most important thing of this interview, it's cold. It's wintertime everywhere you go. It's cold all over the United States. It's it, – what what beer? When it is cold, when, when you are freezing cold, you know, what is the beer to be having at this time of the year? Because it does not feel like spring. We're not – we're in the dead of winter. Well, I got, I got one, and, and you can enjoy this one even. Uh, Guinness Zero. Uh, Guinness Zero is my favorite non-alcoholic beer. If you are doing dry January, uh, you can still get the feeling of a stout, a nice, thick, sort of homey, wintry feeling beverage. It has uh, zero alcohol, and uh, it is, I think, the best tasting non-alcoholic beer out there. Uh, so I think that's a good way to do all things. If you if you aren't doing dry January, then just get a regular, I think, porter. Uh, you don't have to go into 15% and blast yourself to the moon. You can get a nice porter, six percent, gives you that that uh, that thick kind of I'm by the fire feeling. Oh, so I mean, thick win, winter, thicker in the winter. Yeah, put on that winter weight. All right, good good stuff. We miss you. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's happy be a New while. Year, Merry Christmas. We miss yeah, you. All those things. <laughs> get your lights down. <laughs> Have uh, to get your lights down. <laughs> when, are, are you getting your uh, spring training stuff ready to rock? I am, and I took a year off of Arizona last year, and I think I'm going to undo that error and and uh, and say goodbye to Florida. Uh, Florida is more expensive. It's more humid. It's harder to get around. You can't see as many stadiums. You can't get to as many players. Uh, you know, you're dealing with spring breakers. Uh, I think I'm I'm back to Arizona. All right, so we'll see you over at Ho Ho Cam then. That's right. We'll talk to you before then, though. But uh, thank you very much. We'll talk to you soon. All right. Thanks for having me. The great Eno Saris. Play the man's. The Eno Saris Show is sponsored by Fieldwork Brewing Company. With eight taproom locations in Northern California, Fieldwork brings you fresh craft beer direct from the source. Fieldwork will also ship beer direct to your door if you live in California. Visit fieldworkbrewing.com. Where am I looking now? On that one, but we should go to break so we can fix the other camera to get ready for the next guest we have come up here. We I don't I don't know who it is, but there will be someone else. We have a lot to talk about. He just said a lot there to respond to. So you want me to – all right, when we come back, I think it looks good. I think you and Delaire are doing an outstanding job, by the way. Thank you. We, we appreciate that. Both of you guys look like you're working the Winter Olympics, but uh, you guys look good. <laughs> More from Fantasy Camp next, right here on A's Cast Live. Streaming from the East Bay, A's Cast Live continues with Chris Townsend. Well, he's just basically a television star. That's <laughs> who he is. The great Dave Stewart is with us here on A's Cast Live. A's Hall of Famer, how are you? Man, I'm cold. <laughs> it is 
<laughs> this is some chilly stuff out here, boy. It's uh, it's a, it's it's Arizona. It's winter. It's windy. It is what it is. I don't expect it this time of year, though. Um, you know, this is this is the weather that we're supposed to be getting in maybe December, maybe. Um, but it, it's it's creeping up on us in the, the beginning of the year. We're supposed to start heating up right now, but you know, we're out here. Yeah, doing the doing doing the thing that we love to do best. Grinding, baby. Oh, well, we're, we're playing baseball, man. Well, that that's the thing. It's like I talked about the last time we we saw you at the winter meetings, right? We're at the Opryland Hotel. It's all about the business of baseball. The cool thing is, it's uniforms, it's dirt, it's grass, it's uh, it's back to the actual game. It's like here we go. It's it's, it's I, I got to tell you what, Tony. It's it's crazy, man. That. You know, like you said, we get a chance to put the uniform on and, you know, even get out to talk baseball and, and talk about the mechanics of the sport and having fun in the game. And um, this morning we got a chance to, you know, talk about the guy that got this thing started years and years ago, 21 years ago to be exact. Uh, Shooty Babbitt said it's been 21 years that he's been doing uh, this fantasy camp, and it was all started by Dave Henderson, uh, one of my good, good and close friends. And... You know, we're talking to the fantasy campers about, you know, David's David's favorite saying, which is always having fun. And so, you know, we're out in uniforms having fun. Games ain't that pretty, but we're having fun. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the guy always just a smile on your face. I mean, how much he just enjoyed life. He, I don't think there's a better example. It, you know, I think one of the things that um, – I admire most about Shooty Babbitt is that Shooty enjoys every day. Um, he he brings he brings it to the bar bark every day. He brings it to life. He he's smiling, he's laughing, and he's uplifting people. And Dave Henderson was an example of that, a, a primo prime example of of doing something good for people every day and making people smile. Well, one of the things I said earlier today, starting the show when Dallas Braden came up, was. I got to walk out as we're walking over here. You hadn't started games, and I'm walking with the guy who's the commissioner, and the first thing I hear as I walk up is I see Dave Stewart in full uniform screaming at the commissioner. And I was like, right on, let's go. It's time to play. Dave Stewart ticked off, and we haven't even thrown a pitch yet. You were raring to go today. Oh, uh, you know Dallas has a way of rubbing you, man. He can <laughs> rub you, man. They won a championship last year, and, and they, you know, they were able to, to – to, this is our first year last year of, of actually giving the champions rings. And, you know, I told Dallas, you can't even tell me that you didn't – you know, we were doing the announcements of, of all of the campers and everybody that was, you know, were playing on the teams and – when we did the announcements last night, every member of his last year's team had their rings at the ceremony. So, come on, man. You know Dallas had to be emailing them. And, oh, come in. You know, Dallas will stick a, da a dagger in you when he gets a chance. So, I had to give him a little crap. Yeah, this is time to knock him off. Well, I don't think he's going to win it this year. He's got a decent team. I think we all – there's some pretty good balance out there, parity. And, and um, so – uh, we're just gonna. I think it's gonna play to the wire. What does it mean to you to be around all these people who truly love the game? You love the game. If you're out here, we saw somebody just recently out there. Trainers were out working on. I mean, you can get hurt. I mean, it's like 
What, what does it mean to you to be around these people who just love it so much? And obviously a lot of them idolize you. You know, what I know about these campers is they grew up loving the game in the same manner that I did. Um, and if you talk to most of them, you have an opportunity to be around them. They've been watching baseball since their early, early, early age, you know, seven, eight, nine years old. Most of these people saw the Oakland A's come to Oakland in 1968. And, you know, it's a luck of a draw, quite frankly. I mean, you know, God put me in a position and gave me enough ability and talent to be able to play at the next level as a professional. But most of these guys out here, even the, even the women, um, they play in leagues um, at their ages. And you know, we, we've got, uh, I think, probably our youngest age this year will probably be about 34, 35 years old. But we're all the way up to 75 years old. And so when you see seven, what's, what's amazing is the 75-year-olds are out here playing just as hard as the 34, 35-year-olds. Wow. You know, they're getting the best that they can when they're running down that first baseline or if they hit a ball for an extra base hit, they're, they're doing the best that they can. And that's true love of the game, and I admire it. Um, it's who I am, and I am who they are because that is the one thing that brings us together. It's the one thing that we have in common. And you've now been doing this so many years. There's a lot of people you've gotten to know really well through these camps. There's a lot of campers here. Uh, Mello, um, you know, I talked with Mello. I was looking for him last night at the at the banquet, and I just see him. So Mello's been coming out here for 14 or 15 years. Doc Conyers has been coming out here for 14 or 15 years. Uh, Fast Eddie, um, who is the player that you were just talking about that fell out, fell out on the mound with the cramp, Eddie's been coming out here for 14 or 15 years. There are a bunch of people here that have been coming out for, for a very, very long time and just enjoy the game enjoy wearing that A's uniform, and it gives them an opportunity for a week to actually rub shoulders and be with people that they've admired as, as athletes and as players. You know, when, when I think about the last time we talked to you in Nashville, and we've talked a lot about what you're trying to do and getting an expansion team, the Nashville Stars, going in Nashville, and it was a great party. Nashville showed well, obviously. You were really excited. Uh, since since we last saw you, and everybody went there, and everybody's been saying, this is a no-brainer for a Major League Baseball team. The Titans are getting a new stadium. The Predators are already there. Just how much did that help your cause, having the winter meetings in Nashville? Well, you know, it's not, it's not even that winter meeting. Winter meetings have been held in Nashville over the years. They've, they've been coming to Nashville, but... Nashville's a different city now than it was the last winter meetings. Um, there's more people that are coming there from different parts of the country. You're, you're never going to get away from the fact that it is, it is now truly a sports franchise. Last uh, sports city, um, last winter meetings that were held in Nashville, which I don't know when that was, but I guarantee you that Nashville did not have the soccer team, the uh, Nashville uh, sports, sports, uh, sports team, um, they didn't have that team, and that team has been there for three years, and they've been drawing well. They're drawing 18,000, 19,000 fans a game. You know, the Predators are playing well. The, you, then when you get to talking about the Broadway area, which is, I mean, it's huge now uh, with tourists, with good food, with good music. It's just a bigger and better city than it was, you know, years ago at the last winter meetings. And, and that's what I, I think attracts Major League Baseball is the growth, 
the population of people, the different people from different parts of the country, the music, the food, the culture, and sports. It showed well. It definitely showed well, and that, that was a, you know, the thing that, you know, there's all kinds of cranes everywhere, mm-hmm. the, the building that's going on there. It's a city that's growing, so it's, uh, it's a lot of fun to see. And I, and I know for you walking around there, that had to be fun because everybody knows we don't know when it's going to happen. We know it's going to happen, but the winter meetings had to be a good time for you. It was. Um, you know, it's anticipated. We're, we're hoping it's going to be in 28 or 29. We're hoping. Um, we've got uh, Oakland, which I think that they're settled into what they're going to do in Las Vegas. I'm not sure. Uh, Tampa um, is still not really settled in what they're doing. So those two things still have to be solidified and binding in the, in the communities that they're going to play in. And then, you know, we've got the CBA coming up, and we don't know how that's going to play out. Um, and, and so we've just got some things that are up in the air. We'll see what those things bring. But, um, you know, I think that Nashville is the place that baseball is going. It's going to be a two-city expansion. We're not sure about the second city. But I believe that Nashville on the east side is, is the place that people want to play. How much are you looking at what's been going on with all the RSNs and think about your future ownership? You know, we've looked at it. Um, and, you know, Major League Baseball, I think, has taken an approach that they'll carry some of the load, and they did that in this past season. Um, there are so many things that are happening streaming-wise. You know, you've got Apple is coming in. You've got a lot of streaming networks that are going to come in and, and, and make this thing, you know, competitive so that, you know, a company like Bally's who had to bail out that they're not the only that they're not the only outlet. We've got our regional, as you said, the regional sport networks. We've got a lot that's going on in baseball. MLB has been very, very smart in what they've been doing in that area um, and their reach in that area. And so I'm not real concerned about it at this time. Um, Major League Baseball has shown that they will do whatever it is that they have to do to make sure that teams are taken care of when it comes to that. But, I mean, there may be an opportunity as, as a franchise to do it yourself, like the Yankees are doing um, and some of the other, other uh, franchises in baseball are doing. We weren't so crazy to create A's cast back in the day, were we? Hey, man, I think that was a smart thing to do, without a doubt. Foresight. <laughs> no one thought I was that smart, but now hey, they're going, see hey! There? See there? I'm, hey. Giving you, I'm giving you your props. <laughs> maybe, maybe. Uh other other cities has anybody reached out to you maybe for some help or some suggestions about because i know as you said there's got to be a west coast there, you guys are going to be the east coast there's going to be somebody on the west coast has anybody reached out for any help or advice or anything from you well we have not um you know the, the west the west sides we're talking about portland potentially salt lake city austin um you know vancouver may come into play um I have not heard from any of those franchises or potential franchises. I'm not sure that Vancouver has even stepped up to even, you know, take that position. Um, Salt Lake City, um, from what I understand, they're in pretty good hands. They've got some pretty good backing there. Um, Not just with the investors and and then your lead investors or what we call the anchors, um, but they've got um, some political backing as well. And so, you know, Salt, Salt Lake could... Salt Lake could step up and end up being that, that city on the west. Um, Portland's been working at this for a very, very long time. Four or five years they've been working at this. and so. But I have not heard from any of those franchises at all. 
All right, let's talk a little baseball before we let you go. You know, A's are going to go in. There's no expectations whatsoever heading into this year. So either you want to go back to your days as a pitcher, you want to go back to your days as a pitching coach, going into this year to where Texas is not making a lot of moves because of what's going on with their television. A lot of things are, as you know, as your connection's in with the Astros, a lot of things are changing inside the Astros. We don't know about the Angels. Mariners, they've got their TV issues. You know, with the A's, every no one's really even talking about everything everybody talks about is Vegas and about about moving and everything. No one's really talking about the players. Kind of interesting when you go in the complete underdog, the complete, complete unknown, just that from a player standpoint, a coach's standpoint, how do you like going into a season like this? Well, I mean, what they've got to do is just continue to do um, what makes them uh, an organization, a good organization, which is you got to continue to build your prospects and you've got to continue to teach them how to play the game at the major league level. I think anybody that's looking at the A's right now, I think they see a lot of potential there, but that potential is not ready to compete and be a playoff team. And so you have to keep what's in front of you. You have to keep continuing. You have to continue to teach these players how to be good fundamental athletes um, and how to be good fundamental pitchers out there. Um, They're going to get their knocks. They got some hard knocks last year. I thought that they improved greatly over the last month and a half of the season that you saw some things that were real promising for the Oakland A's. But they're not at that level yet, and they just have to continue to go out and compete. Understand that against the the, the, t- the tough teams, the contenders, you're going to play in some tough series. Um, but even in those tough series, you're going to win some baseball games. And if you go in with that attitude that each game, each month, at the end of the season that you've improved and you've gotten better for the upcoming season, you know, I, I think that that's, I think that's a win. I'm so curious to see how some of these players who got an opportunity last year, how they grow this offseason, what they look like coming into spring training. You know, they've got to set goals. First of all, you have to have – you set goals uh, before the season starts on things that you want to accomplish and the things you want to be better at. Um, organizationally, you should be having conversations with these players about the things that you saw, their shortcomings – things that they need to work on and what they're coming into spring training to learn and what they're coming into spring training to do. There's some players that are going to be on that roster. I don't think that Geloff is going to be a guy, a guy that's coming into spring training trying to make a team. And so that should put him in a position to work on some technique in different areas of his game. And he's a great player. Um, there are some players that are coming into spring training and they've got to bust their butts to make a team. And so they don't get that opportunity to really work on their skills and work on the shortcomings um, as some of these other players may get an opportunity to do. But at this time, it's still about development for this organization because they're young. Kids that are playing in the big leagues, they're playing against guys that are older than them uh, in age and older than them in experience. And so it's, it's really about becoming better, learning your game, learning how to play your game and how to put your game on the field so that each time you take an at-bat, each game, you're, you're seeing progression. Did you notice when you were a pitching coach, like guys that got it in the offseason and they, they did the right things in the offseason to change for the start of, you know, when spring training was going on, it worked? 
There were some guys that you saw that it worked when they came in the spring training. There were some guys that you saw that were trying to accomplish what you set for them as goals and combine those goals with their goals. And then there were some guys that just said, it doesn't work for me, and they didn't want to do it. You can see who those players are. You know who they are. And, you know, I have a strong regard and for the player that at least plays it out to see if it's going to work for you. But I also have a strong regard for the player that sits down and tells you these are the things that work for me. How can you help me to incorporate those things in what you're trying to teach me? Okay, let's end on this. With these umpires out here or the other coaches, do you ever do the Dave Stewart intimidation knowing no. you can intimidate the hell out of these guys? <laughs> these guys are so much fun. You know, they're Dallas, not... Dallas Braden said last year you got really mad, and at one point he realized, uh-oh. <laughs> so I think, come on, do you I ever did. do you ever well, get com- the Dave Stewart uh, thing going? Uh, uh, hey, Tony, I am competitive. I, I do get a competitive moment every now and then. I'm a black belt. I'm a World yeah. Series champion. I'm a World Series. Do you, do you get the little – do you start intimidating people out of no, here a little bit? Not with Take the, advantage of that. Not with the umpires and the campers. I think some of the campers really want to see that side of me. <laughs> I do. I believe that they want to see it, and so. But but when it really comes out, and is when we play the uh, camp against the uh, the uh, the pros against the campers. On that day, I'm not taking any prisoners. <laughs> I got to see him mad today. It was hey, great. Everybody's a victim on camp. <laughs> on the camper, the camper versus pros day. That everybody's a victim. Are we going to see a lot of you on TV this year? You know, right now I think I've got uh, more games than I did last year. I, I think I'm in the 70 range in okay. games this year, which, you know, I look forward to it. I love uh, being a part of the broadcast. I love the guys. I love you and the guys that, that I work with. But more importantly, I enjoy the opportunity to really talk about baseball and allow people to see the game through my eyes. And hopefully those are teaching moments for them. That's the best part about this job, being around the game, which is the game that I love and the game that I grew up on. Well, I said this to Carney. It was really cool last night. It was the first time I've, you know, other than the ceremony where I got to hear Oakland A's Hall of Famer, Carney Lansford. And, you know, we've always said it with you. It's so cool because both you guys grew up in the Bay Area. Both you guys grew up A's fans. Both you guys grew up watching the 70s teams. And now that, you know, forever your history will be with this organization in the Hall of Fame. I thought it was really cool. For the first time, kind of in public, Carney got that. Yeah. And this, the ovation, I was like, I, I know you know how it feels, and I know how close you are to him. It, that was pretty cool last night. That's the captain, man. And, and um, you know, I've been really, really fortunate that when I first came to the team that I was embraced by him and his family and um, that we've remained all these years close friends. Um, and, and so anything that good anything that happens good for Carney Lansford um, is a good thing for his family, but it's also a shared joy um, in my house and in my family. All right, well, next time we'll see you spring training. I look forward to that interview. We always look forward to seeing you. I look forward to doing TV with you this year. It's always an honor. And one of the best things is just being able to watch this whole Nashville thing grow. It's been fascinating to learn. I've learned a lot from you. And just to watch it grow and to be in Nashville and to see it and to see um, it's going to be one of the most special things this game's ever seen. process is exciting. And, and the way we envision this project is going to be 
something new and different for baseball. And um, we're hoping to, to to be example setters. We're we're hoping to be trend setters. We're so we're hoping to do something that's historic in the game of baseball. No doubt about it. The great Dave Stewart, Oakland A's Hall of Famer, right here on A's Cast Live. Another Oakland kid, Shooty Babbitt's going to join us next as we get you through fantasy camp here down in Mesa, Arizona. A's Cast Live continues from the town. Here's Chris Townsend. You know, when you're down here, and this event means so much to so many different people, and everybody loves being a part of it, the campers love it, the coaches love it, the staff loves it. We now love the past couple of years being a part of it. But there's got to be somebody that is the glue, that is the person that understands what Dave Henderson meant to this whole deal, somebody that knows that he's got to be the leader of it to keep this thing going year after year after year. And that's this man right here, Shooty Babbitt, who understands what Dave Henderson meant to this when he started it years ago and doing it with the Seattle Mariners. And being an A, being a guy from the Bay Area, being Oakland, Berkeley, playing for the A's, going to A's games growing up, doing A's television. I mean, the essence of you, the essence of all of this. It's, you, you know, as Reggie Jackson once said, the straw that stirs the drink. This man is the straw that stirs the drink down here at this time. How are you? Tony, I'm not worthy of complaining. Um, I've got so much praise to go up. Um, I don't think we have enough time. But first of all, I want to thank you once again for having me, giving me an opportunity to be here on A's Cast. Um, we spent a lot of years together um, gluing and helping this team stay together on the outside. First thing i like to say is just congratulations and thank you to the A's fans that have showed up. <laughs> they have been showing out and showing their true love for the green and gold. Second of all, I want to thank the Oakland A's, and not last or least, but most of all, for 47 years um, of my life, they've given me an opportunity to represent this organization. Yeah, it's a long time, my man. And to hear you say the things that you're saying, I don't even feel worthy of. Um, when I take the field and I'm down here working with coaches that some of them number is up on the board, up on that wall out there in center field for what they've done, um, the accomplishments that they've had as a player and the things that they've done to grow this organization on the field is insurmountable in words. But for me, in the time that I spent on the field with this club, mirrors nothing like what I've been able to be a part of off the field. And for the A's to allow me to be one of the faces, for, for me to hear you say some of the things that you said, sometimes you feel like, uh, is he talking about me? But one thing that I take from it is because I don't think it's because of the numbers on my baseball card. I think it's because of the teammate that I've been. And the one thing that I've always tried to be is a good teammate, uh, fight, laugh, struggle, whatever the case may be, we all have done it together. And, uh, man, I'm just thankful. I'm happy to be here, Tony. Um, it's a great year. Um, one thing that I've seen happen in these past couple of days, these are Oakland A's fans to the bone. Um, 
and I'm just so happy for them to come down here and experience this. Yeah, it, it is a special treat to watch all the people come back year after year after year, and now we've been able to see it, and now they've gotten to know us a little bit. And when we showed up last night and they were happy to see us, we're like, yeah, we got to be here. And it's just, it, it, it's it's so special. And that's what it was meant to be. It was meant to be, and it has been, and it's been, you know, once again, I don't, I don't want to get you too emotional. I know you started getting emotional there, but it's it just really, though, you have been the backbone of this. And someone has to be that. And, and, and it takes a very special person to be that guy. Um, and everybody has looked to you to be that guy. And that's one of the things I think all these campers, like when you get up and you talk like you did last night to everybody, everybody gets so excited. You're one of the, <laughs> one of the things everybody wants to come and see. That's got to feel good that, you know, you're kind of the ringleader of this family party. In this game, in this business, someone's got to give you a chance to do what you're doing. You mentioned Dave Henderson. I met him in 1977 as a high school senior at Cal Berkeley. We were participating in a um, North-South All-Star game, and guys that are in high school are fighting for opportunities to maybe get a college scholarship. There's pro scouts out there. The draft's coming up. You know, I'm a 5'7", 170-pound kid that, you know, I can hit a little bit. I can run a little bit, but, you know, I'm not going to jump out on the field as a 6'2", 190 guy that just tooled up all over the place. But you know after nine innings, I've given you everything that I had, and I had something to do with us winning or losing, whatever it is. But – Knowing Dave Henderson and the person that he was and the electrifying uh, personality that he did, you know, the one thing that he did down here is he made sure whenever I talked, whenever he talked, it was important that these people have a good time, that you enjoy the game, have fun, because that's what he did. He wore that smile no matter what the situation was. It was one of the best clutch hitters in the playoffs that we've ever seen, uh, but he never took the game. No doubt. You know what I mean? (laughs) He had multiple magic moments. He had some of the biggest home runs you've ever seen. So I have a responsibility um, because I've been given a chance. Someone took a chance on me. Jim Gwynn took a chance on me in 1977 and gave me an opportunity as a 25th-round draft pick to go out and battle and live the pro-life. And through God's grace, got some breaks, had some decent seasons, got a chance to play in the big leagues. So I take not one day for granted when I have this uniform on or when I'm in this profession because I'm a guy that's probably only worked about seven um, real years in my life on a real job. I can't even say what I've done as a scout for 29 years. It's been a job. It's been a blessing to do something that I get an opportunity to do that I love to do. But I'm baseball, bro. That's that that that. You cut me open. I'm a group. I'm a bleed green and gold. You know, I've worked for teams that where I wore blue and orange, but I was still bleeding green and gold. And when I got an opportunity to come back to Oakland in 2019, you know, I'd finished my 25th year as a scout. Um, the Mets didn't need my services anymore, and I called home, and they answered. And whenever they do that, it makes you feel, it gives you a sense of comfort that pre- people appreciate as a person you are and a professional. So I'm just trying to live up to some of the things like people like yourself are saying about me because um, I think I have a responsibility and um, I feel very fortunate to be in the position that I'm in. Yeah, I, I think you say it perfectly. It's a life around this organization. You know, you've been around it. And so, you, you know, it's it's so classic is a lot of people don't realize all the years they've seen you on television. He was actually working for other organizations at that time as he's doing TV for the A's, which is something that's unheard of. Well, everybody has their way of evaluating and getting information. And I have 
been so fortunate and blessed to work for some people that have hired me and say, just be Shooty Babbitt. And whenever somebody can just give you a confirmation of you being yourself, I mean, Lord have mercy. I got flaws just like everybody else, but if people can see the good in you and tell you, hey, I just want you to be yourself, there's no better situation to be in. And yeah, you're right. There's been times that I've worked for organizations where we've made some moves where it might have been because I was talking to a coach or a player. I might have been on the field. You know how I operate around the stadium. Um, I talk to everybody because you just never know what kind of information you may get that you don't get during the game or that you may get in scouting reports or whatever the case may be. And, and that's worked for me. Uh, I can go on and on about guys we made moves with when I was with Arizona, and it turned out to be a guy that was a vital player. It's a great move by the organization. I don't take credit for those type of things because that's my job. But, yeah, <laughs> it's, it's amazing. And a lot of scouts used to ask me, say, man, how, how are you scouting and doing TV for the A's? <laughs> 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 I said, well, who do you work for? I said, that's the only business you should be worried about. <laughs> It was a hell of a deal. Uh, so I, I, I recently hosted that Santa Clara baseball banquet that's been going on. I was a 38th, and uh, we honored some scouts. And, you know, some of the scouts said it's it's good that baseball's finally getting back 100% feeling like it's normal again. Like the whole COVID effect all the way down through amateur baseball and in different places and different parts of the country – and how 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 all the different youth sports dealt with it you know talk about from what you've seen as now we're heading into 2024 as normal as it was before no um it's getting there yeah um see a lot of people don't know that and i would like to say that because if we're talking about what's going on the field yes but i'm not that shallow where I just think that life just goes on inside the baseball stadium because the people that come there and support the team, the people that work to keep the team operating in the studio, in the stands, in the front office, you name it, everybody that has a part of this, uh, everybody haven't gotten back to that point. We're getting there. Um, you look at us in society, we're, so, we're more separated than we were before the pandemic. And I would just like to see people as a whole come to more baseball games, love on each other, more sons and daughters come into the game, um, the community come together and closer. I mean, there's so much going on in Oakland right now that I only think that it's going to make this, this city even stronger because they're starting to take teams away and these type of things. But we've always been a community where we do pull together in tough times, and um, there are going to be some challenges moving forward. Uh, but man, oh man, it's uh, it's been a great run. I'm not saying anything is finished, and I don't, I still don't believe we're moving out of Oakland. I might be naive and stupid and everything <laughs> else, but until they start putting shovels in the ground and they start cutting ribbons and they start doing all that, I'm gonna keep hope alive, man. So um, we don't know what's gonna happen tomorrow, but all I do know is today is a wonderful day, man. Well, your job is to be in the bushes and to find those players, the next great Oakland Athletics. What do you see in our minor league system? How are you feeling going into spring training 2024? One thing that you know is that they're going to be competitive. And as we make moves, we've lost some really good players. But this is an organization and a front office that understands that you don't need to pour it all in one pot at one time if there's not going to be gold in there because there's 29 other teams that are trying to win. And some teams are in place to win now. They make moves to win right now because they're that close. 
And being on the outside looking in, working for other teams and watching how the A's ran their business, you know, there's a lot of chatter out there. But if you look at it now being here, you understand the moves that they make. They make them for moves down the road, not for moves right now. And when you look at guys that came up last year, you know, the Geloffs of the world, the Lawrence Butlers of the world, uh, you got so many more in the pipeline. We've been drafting shortstops every year. I mean, Nicky Slicky was out there today, this morning, getting his work in before everybody else. And this dude is going to be fighting for his job because there's more guys coming. But that's what they're going to have to be able to confront when they come to the big leagues. A guy like Nick Allen is not going to let anybody outwork them. And I think what's happened is that that's the culture here because there's a lot of young kids that played with guys like Nicky and Geloff, and they're in the big leagues doing their thing right now, and they have the same dream. But they also understand the work ethic and the sacrifice that it's going to take to get there. So not only are they leading on the field, their example is leading in the clubhouse as well. So um, I'm excited. I mean, there's some guys that had good years in double-A. If you talk to Bobby Crosby, I'm sure he's just gleaming yes. about some of the guys that he's uh, managed last year. So we're on the move. We're on the rise. I think when everything settles as far as the stadium situation and everything, I really think we're going to be in place right away to start competing for a championship, and it'll only take a couple of moves. So uh, be patient, fans. Everything that happens, it happens for a reason. It doesn't make sense for us to go out and spend a hundred and some million on a player right now when it's just not conducive to what we're trying to do and what we're trying to get to. And I'm not speaking for the front office. I'm just speaking as a scout and what I see. And I understand the process. Yeah, when you look at the front office, and we are just talking to David Forrest, I mean, you're talking about a guy who's been here like 25 years. A lot of these guys have been around, like yourself, you've been around for a long time. It says a lot about what's going on inside this organization. That's amazing you say that. We were having that conversation in the lunchroom today because uh, we were just talking about guys that have been here for a while. And the new player development on the minor leagues was in there speaking. He was just talking about it. He said, shooty, man, I see you've been doing a lot. You've been around for a long time. He said, but I was having a conversation in a meeting, and they started asking people who had five years to stand up. The majority of the room stood up. They said, now the people with 10 years, nine-tenths of the room stood up. They said people with 15, three-quarters of the room, they got up to 25 and 30, and people were still standing. <laughs> and it's amazing. Yeah. And it all boils down to the loyalty that it is installed or bestowed upon the people that work here. I mean, to get fired here from what I've seen, you really got to mess up. People believe in you. They give you chances. They work with you. But it's that culture here, man. So you're exactly right, Tony. Uh, just, just, just the – you know, loyal in our business is not used that much anymore as far as loyalty is concerned because there's so many moving parts. But when you talk about loyalty um, in an organization to their employees, man, um, the Oakland A's have done a tremendous job of um, creating that for their employees. Well, your legacy, no question, will be as a top scout, your eye for talent. There's no question about that. Uh, your legacy will be one of the top dressed men the television, the suits are amazing. Thank you. You know how good you look. But I really think a big part of your legacy will be this fantasy camp and how everybody loves you here for everything that you've done here. I mean, you, you've you poured your heart and soul. And I think the number one thing is how much you've made sure that everybody enjoyed their time here and they got their money's worth. This, this event will be a big part of your legacy, my friend. George Devine once told me, George Devine Sr., rest yeah. his soul. And I used to ask him all the time because I respected the man. He was a true gentleman, and I wanted a real answer. 
And I wasn't sure which direction I was trending in this business because I was hearing so many things. And you know how this business is a tough business, Tony. And I said, Mr. Devine, I said, how do I really know that they like me? He says, Shooty, if they ask you to come back, this is my 21st year being a part of this fantasy camp. So I guess there's a little, they like me a little bit. How about that? But I appreciate you saying what you say. When I come here every day, I never forget that. I understand how uh, fortunate I am to be in this position because there are guys that have done greater things in this business that don't get opportunity to do what I do. And in short, it's not easy to do what I do. I mean, I've been a kangaroo court judge for the last 19, 20 years. I'm so glad to have Dallas here because he's magnificent. His energy, his creativity, what he's able to do to bring laughs from people. It's not hard because the one thing you don't do, want to do is say the wrong thing. You got ladies down and you got mamas and grandmamas and you don't want things to come out your mouth that's not really kind of things that your mama wouldn't want to hear come out of your mouth. But that's your job. And it's so hard. So I don't take that part lightly. Um, but I, 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 I'm so thankful, Tony. I really am, man. This, this game owes me absolutely nothing. Uh, do you hear me? Uh, they have been great to me. And to be part of this, you know, I can't thank you enough. We've been here together through some lean times when we were on the, game, on the radio after, hour after the game and didn't have nothing to talk about. But we found a way to keep the people interested, man. And I just, the way you've grown, what you do. I mean, I think you started this in your garage somewhere. And look <laughs> at you now. Look at you now. <laughs> so you've got a lot to be proud of yourself, man. And um, I'm thankful. I'm thankful for the opportunities and the people in this business that believe in me. And I'm going to try to do everything I can. Not Next time that. we see you will be spring training. And then, uh, then we'll see you doing television. Can't wait. Can't wait. Thank you. Thank you, A's fan. It's going to be a, a great 2024 season. And you need to take down Dallas Braden and be the champ. Uh, we've already took one step forward because we got all up in them today. Oh, did, did, how, how was your draft? Uh, uh, it was very good. I'm happy with every player on my roster. Dallas called their team to run it back because they won it last year. Only thing they're running right now is to the clubhouse. <laughs> <laughs> the great shooty Babbitt. He's one of the best scouts in the business for the Oakland Athletics. You see him on A's pre- and post-game live on NBC Sports California, and we like to call him a very dear contributor and friend to A's Cast Live. Be well, my friend. Thank you very much. We have more coming up next from Fantasy Camp. Streaming from the A's Road Studio, A's Cast Live continues with Chris Townsend. Oh, this is the Road Studio right here. Makeshift. This is <laughs> this is the best, right? We're 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 up in the crow's nest here at Fitch Park, in the middle of four baseball fields that are during the spring utilized. By all the A's minor leaguers, big leaguers, everybody gets, you know, spring training, practice goes here, games go here. And then once you're ready to come down for spring training games, the big leaguers shift over to Ho-Ho Cam, and that's where they get ready. Well, actually, that's where they get ready, and then they come over here and play. But minor leaguers go down. I mean, but this is like – this is the baseball mecca. I think that's what's great about coming down – Every single year, whether it's at this time or it's for fantasy, is this is not fantasy for spring training, is you know this is the mecca of baseballs because I mean, everywhere you go, 
you know, down the streets, the Chicago Cubs, you know, where you go into Scottsdale and, you know, as you're going over there, you're going to see where the the White Sox and the and the Rockies and the, you, then you see the Dodgers. Aren't the, don't the Dodgers and White Sox share the Camelback Ranch? Dodgers, White Sox, you got the Indians, you got the Rangers, the Giants are in Scottsdale. I mean, everybody's all over the place. And then you go way out what Peoria is, what, Seattle and San Diego. Yeah. <laughs> so it's a, there's just baseball everywhere here, and that's why it's great to come down here, even during the winter. As Stu said normally, like last year we were in shorts, but uh, – Things start to change a little bit. You know, a, l- a little business news around the athletics today as two players that remained arbitration eligible signed today. Those two guys are? Polly Blackburn and Seth Brown. Polly Winday and Seth Brown. You know, looking at those two players, they're two guys that we don't talk a lot about because right now we're – where we are in the timeline of of A's in baseball is a time of finding young players and finding young players for now and for the future. But amongst those young players, you do have to have veteran guys. And I look at, at two players who, let's face it, got hurt early and it derailed them for what we thought for two players that were going to have really good years last year. You know, Paul Blackburn was an all-star. You thought he was going to anchor the rotation last year and be the veteran guy that take the ball every five days, hopefully 25 times or more, give you innings, and then you're going to have a bunch of young guys. Well, then it was the hurt finger, and it was the setbacks, and he just he wasn't able to be that guy from start to finish. Could he be that guy this year? Because what the A's need, and they end up getting that out of J.P. Sears, but what the, what the A's need is they need guys that can give you starts and that can give you innings. And then, let, then let's see what the young guys can do and how they can blossom. But you need somebody, and it's got to be multiple guys, to give you a lot of starts and a lot of innings. Hopefully J.P. Sears can continue to be that guy. And maybe Paul Blackburn can be what we thought he was going to be. Because remember last year in spring training, it was about I'm going to be healthy. I'm going to be the leader of the staff. All these things said, and then he got hurt. And Yeah, I was just looking up his log. So 2022, the year he's an all-star. He threw 111 in the third innings and 21 starts. Last year in 20 starts. He hurt his finger, but yeah, he had an all-star campaign. Yeah, the first half was incredible. And then last year – was also hurt, but he had the he had 20, 20, uh, 20 games, twenty starts, 100, 103 and two thirds. So you, hopefully he can get past that, get past one hundred eleven. Yeah, I mean, come on, get close to thirty starts. Hopefully he stays healthy and be the guy that can. I'm get up saying innings. if you give 20, 20, I mean, excuse me, if you give twenty five, and got to go over one hundred thirty innings. Yeah, I think that's a realistic number to. Put I mean, around. JP Sears is now hoping. You, you know, you're hoping. J.P. Sears now is a 30-start guy. Yeah, I did it last year. I'm going to see how many innings he ended up pitching in. So if you can have 30 starts by J.P. Sears and you get 25 starts from Paul Blackburn, I mean, if you got 30 and 30 and now we're talking 60 starts, that is huge. That is absolutely huge, especially with all the young guys. 
I was just looking because J.P. Sears ended up having 100. 30, I'm going to say 32 th- starts. 32 starts, 172 and a third innings pitched. Um, that was only a few more innings less than the other one, the Cy Young in the uh, National League. Blake Snell, who went through 180. Uh, well, yeah, I mean, his thing's a joke. What was his What was his innings in the end? 100. Uh, 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 Sears, 172 and a third. So that's Blackburn, right? Can Blackburn be the veteran guy? Leadership, a lot of innings, a lot of quality innings, a lot of starts. That's what we we're hoping for last year. Because remember, we kept talking about that. Never happened. Maybe this is the year he's that guy. Then. What were we saying about Seth Brown? Could be a 30-homer guy. We were saying 30 home runs. Seth Brown had, what, 14, 15 right around that last year? 14, I believe. I have had it. the oblique injury. 14, yeah. He had 14. I mean, Seth Brown was looking for a monster year for him at the age uh, 29, 20. He ended up turning 30 last year, yeah. Yeah, so it's like that was – Last year was supposed to be that breakout for Seth Brown as he was going to be the power bat and he gets hurt. And he's not, well, maybe this is the year. If uh, you're looking for firepower, now I just wonder with all the young guys how much he's going to play. But if you're looking for firepower and you keep Brent Rooker and you keep Seth Brown and you could get 30 home runs again out of Brent Rooker and you could get 25-plus out of Seth Brown, now all of a sudden you're starting throwing that because I think Langoliers is at least a 25-home run guy. Yeah, I mean, he quietly had a great power year last year, as we know. So if I'm, get, so if I'm getting it out of Rooker and I'm getting – I mean, just do the numbers. If I get it out of Rooker, I get it out of Brown, I get it out of Langoliers, I've just found you a bunch of home runs. Yeah, I mean, the, the two years pre, prior before last year when he had the oblique injury, Brown hit 20 and 25 home runs respectively. So he's a he is twenty home. The ability he's, is there. Yeah, and he's going to be thirty two in July. But so he's still, you know, I mean, he's not. He's like he's not like Joey Votto's age. So he still has the power. Hopefully, he. I think the projection on Baseball Reference right now because they project like guys for twenty twenty four. They have him get, hitting nineteen home runs and driving at sixty. Seth Brown. Seth Brown, correct. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. If you could get twenty five, I mean, you just start piecing it together. You now have found a bunch of home runs. Yeah, I'm going to look, see what they have for Langoliers. And I haven't even brought up Geloff yet, what we think Geloff can be. Because Geloff, I mean, his ceiling, Geloff is going to be a special player. He had 14 home runs last year and only 270 at-bats. I mean, that's why I keep saying the whole Sandberg uh, comparison is not that crazy. That's this is This is why we're here. Let all the national guys, because whenever they say – the outlooks for 2024, players to look at, they don't want to give an answer. They don't have an answer. No. <laughs> no. They're, they're not giving you any. That's why it's like, okay, that's why you're going to come here because we're going to still talk baseball. And the reality is when you're uh, evaluating what 2024 could look like, yes, are some projections going to be pie in the sky? Well, that's what everybody does during spring training in this time of the year, right? Everybody started – I mean – I'm reading stuff. Walker Bueller's back. Will you think Walker Bueller's going to give the Dodgers 30 starts and 200 innings? Not even close. No one on their staff will. No one will even come close. Yeah, even when they're healthy, they're not even going to do that. So it's like, but you can start building why the A's were not going to be hovering at 50 wins. You can start building, and it goes with something that we will talk a lot about in spring training and it has gone on with the history of this organization, is watching guys win together at the minor league level. 
watching them learn together at the minor league level. And why I'm coming over to your computer and doing this is because guys then move up and they move up and they move. This has been happening for so many years. You think about how the teams were built in the 70s. Well, they started in Kansas City together. Yeah. Speaking of moving, they they were in Kansas City that came to Oakland. But Reggie Jackson was drafted by Charlie Finley out of Arizona State. Rick Monday, the first ever pick ever, Rick Monday, who would result in Ken, Ken Holtzman. But that that idea of Bando and Reggie and Monday and Catfish, that all started in Kansas City. Even Vita. Yeah. They came to Oakland. and they, But that has been going on for a long, long time in this organization where a group comes together, they, they learn together in the minor leagues, then they win together in the major leagues. You see in the 70s, see in the 80s, you've seen it forever. The last, the last crop, you know the one crop that we really didn't, that wasn't 12, 13, 12, 13, and 14. 12, 13, and 14 was like a, a, a bouillabaisse soup where you just throw everything in there and it just kind of, well, tastes good and it worked. That was not something that was built in the minor leagues. The, the last one that we saw when you, when, you, when you saw Olsen and you saw Chapman and you saw Pinder and all these guys, they started that. Well, that's this, this group that's coming now, a lot of these guys have played together in the minor leagues. They've won together in the minor leagues. They've learned together in the minor leagues. And they're starting to come up together. That's what's going to make them interesting. And when we talk to them, that's the thing, like, when you talk to Geloff, Geloff's like, oh, yeah, we're going to win. Well, that's what Chapman used to say. And you thought Chapman was crazy. Remember that? Chapman, we're going to win. We're going to win the division. And you're like, yeah, sure you are. Well, yeah, they end up doing it in 2020. And two straight years before that won 97 games. So it's that belief that you start bringing up that, hey, we're coming together as a group. Like Lawrence Butler believes in Zach Geloff. Geloff believes in Lawrence Butler. And then all of a sudden they all think, hey, dude, Denzel Clark, this guy's amazing. Like you start listening to them talk about each other. You've got a group that's coming. And now you're starting to adding pitching. You know, as we, you know, Joey Estes, we've talked, we were talking about him last night with Dallas Braden when we were sitting around the table there at the hotel. And then uh, Boyle, obviously the big kid out of Notre Dame, you start adding those arms. And then, you, you know, as we just mentioned, well, what if Sears gave you this? And, so there's going to be a lot of what if, but there's something there versus what there really hasn't been the last two years. There is something there going into this spring training. Yeah, there's a lot of excitement. There should be a lot of excitement around the young players and the continued development of those guys. And-, and, and I'm fine if the national media just wants to focus on that other issue of relocation. I get it. I understand it, right? We're not going to shy away from it. I understand where the national narrative is going to be, but you still got to cover the team. And what we're saying is they're not, they're not seeing it. They don't want to see it. There, there is more to see here than you think. Yeah. And there's, there's, there's a guys we'd even mentioned like Luis Medina. Does he take a step forward with his, his, his stuff's nasty. He has a stuff that, that he needs to get yes. the command and going deeper into games. Was it fan set fan It was in July. Fan goes, this guy's a future ace. That's Fangraphs. Yeah. 
Yeah, they, and Fangraphs isn't Fangraphs. I mean, that's your baseball nerds really breaking it down right there. No offense. I mean, I don't know. It's okay. Um, no Mendina's one. Uh, you know, the p- p- continued progression and hopefully keeping Mason Miller healthy is a later a later inning guy and potentially a closer. That's another guy you want to see do well. Is, Ma- is Mason Miller your your new A.J. Puck? Yes. Okay. There, there's even more of a tie to it. He is a Pittsburgh kid, so, I mean, there's – I'm rooting for you him. Lo- I'm rooting for him more than anyone. You loved it. You were like AJ Puck's got to be a closer, and then hey, who was believing you? Everyone did. He he was a closer. Well, no, they weren't believing you when he was a starter, and you want him to be yeah, a closer. Yeah, yeah. Now now he's getting hurt with them, the Marlins. So no, is he hurt again? He was. He got hurt a little bit last year. I'm pretty sure. He actually, he's, he's always gonna get hurt. I know he ended up not having. But he any. didn't like. He, he he's never gonna escape the IL. No, he last year Puck um, pitched in. Oh, 58 games, 56 innings. He had 15 saves and a 3.97 ERA. It was, it was, it was Bob Melvin who. I mean, sometimes you gotta have heart to hearts, and that's where, you know, talking to Bobby Crosby about it earlier today. We talked to Mark Kotze about it. We know, you know, Adam Rosales actually. I, I had a great conversation. If a lot, I know a lot of you follow this over the years. Now I, I've known Adam Rosales for a long time now. I love Rosie. Um, Rosie was talking about how much he learned from Bob Melvin, and where Rosie said I was always like the last guy on the roster, and I got moved in and out and in and out. And God, remember how many times he got shipped back and forth from Texas? But he's like, Bob never treated me like that, and and Rosie learned so much, but. You know, when you start looking at certain players and helping players, you know, Adam Rosales is another one of those guys that's like a blossoming future manager inside our organization. Yeah, he was in the complex league last for the last couple of years, so he's I believe he's still doing that now. He's gonna be a, he's gonna be a hitting coach this year. Oh, nice. Yeah. So yeah, the progression. I mean, we saw Bobby Crosby take the job in Stockton, never managed the game because of COVID, and got elevated to Midland. And then now he's on the big league staff as the first. And base everybody's coach. saying future Matt. But where was I going? I got you, you. You're talking about Rosie and Melvin. I think you're in. You had heart to hearts. Oh, heart to heart. I, yeah, thank you. I got you threw Rosie in there, and I got a little <laughs> sidetracked. Heart to heart. Heart to heart with AJ Puck. I know happened. And it was really AJ. You know, first round pick, big signing bonus. All that stuff's great. But right now, you're trending on being a, a career rehab guy. That's what you're trending to be, is a career rehab guy. And that's kind of where you need to go make it happen in the bullpen. And because a lot of guys don't want to do that. Because what? Because let's face it, where's the big money? Starters. Yeah. Right, as you can see, none of the big, none of the big closers have signed a deal yet. Yeah, as, as I mean, I think Hater, you love Hater. I do. I'm a big Hater, former starting pitcher. But you don't want to leave that starting role, right? Because that's what you got drafted to be. That's who you've been your whole life. You want to be the starter. But when you have somebody like a Bob Melvin have a heart to heart with you, like right now, you're trending to be a career rehab guy, which is not a not a career really at all. Now, those are tough conversations you yeah. got to have with a guy. And so, A.J. Puck has turned it around and made it, uh, has made somewhat of a career as a reliever now. Yeah, and he's going to keep, you know, um, he'll probably, I don't know if he'll be the Marlins closer this year, but he'll be a, a featured piece in their bullpen. And, 
you know, hopefully that's what happens with Miller. Mason Miller gets some chances, and then he he grows into the role as closer because he has the stuff, and he has the stuff to be an elite closer. But it's just a matter of staying healthy and, and continuing his development because you get him in the ninth inning, good luck if he's if he's on. Mason Miller, unfortunately, hasn't proven anywhere at any time that he's going to be able to be the type of pitcher that can take any type of wear and tear. I mean, any type. None. No, sorry. That dragging sound was getting to me. But, yeah, no, he hasn't. I mean, we saw it even in college. At Gardner, I was like wondering, at, like, what's wrong? At, like you've got At Gardner-Webb when he was pitching. You all right? Yeah, yeah. But no, I, I, I think, I think this is the year that he stays healthy, though. You, you, you wouldn't have been a good quarterback. Uh, no, because there's a, a lot going on at quarterback, and there's danger all around you. Yeah, and everybody wants to knock your block off. You, you. I always say I have self-diagnosed ADHD. Oh, it's self-diagnosed. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, because that guy came by and you wiggy. Yeah, I'm, I'm always. I can't sit still either. If you see when you, when you're interviewing people, I I can't sit. I have to move. I have to get up and move around. Like I can't. That's how I, I am. Just, I slept today because you're cold. No, no, no. It's not cold anymore. Now no, the sun's out. The wind's gone. Get more guests out. It's beautiful now, Delaire. We can keep going. Sun's out. Let's go. Oh, he's giving us the rap signal. He's 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 being he's telling us to go. I mean, that's worse than me. He's chilly. He's he's yeah. he's had a full day. He's had a full day. Sun's going down. Um, first day, a lot of fun. Look at that. We had Dallas Braden. I have the whole list of people. Bobby Crosby. New A's Hall of Famer, Carney Lansford. I actually, that was one of my favorite parts of last night. Carney's been good to us over the years. Mm-hmm. Carney's really been good. And, you know, obviously, you know, I, I'm I'm a guy in San Jose, so I have a soft spot for Carney. Grew up in San Jose, grew up an A's fan, played for the A's. Um, last night when they, when, when, when we had our whole event and Shooty Babbitt had the mic and Shooty was like, Oakland A's Hall of Famer, Carney Lansford, and the crowd erupted. I, that's got to feel great. Yeah, and it's well deserved. I mean, he was. I mean, no, Carney was a ball. Did, didn't Stu, Stu call him the captain? He was the. Yeah. He was the. Yeah. He didn't have the. I don't know if he ever had the official official, but he was known as the leader of those teams. I mean, Carney. When I was a kid growing up, Carney Lansford was known as one of the best pure hitters in the game. He was. I mean, I didn't get a chance to watch Carney play because you know he was playing in the early '80s, and I wasn't yeah. born until the end, but. End of the '80s, but yeah, I mean, I go back to this looking at stats. He won a batting title at the Red Sox. I mean, he was a he was a really good hitter. And really I was good saying, when I was a kid, base. he won the batting title, so he was. And the layers doing his batting stance off camera. He was a guy that was, and he played defense. He was he was tough. He was an All Star. He's a champion. Carney Lansford, Carney Lansford was the good. So to have him now and to be able to do the whole Oakland A's Hall of Fame thing, that's yeah. really awesome. We also had Eno, Dave Stewart, and Shooty. Dave Stewart. Shooty got emotional. Yeah. It's been emotional for Shooty. Shooty is uh, – this event means a lot. It means a lot for Shooty Babbitt. That's why, we're you know, we're down here and we're telling you it's family. We're not blowing smoke. These people mean a lot to each other down here. This is – every single year, everybody looks forward to coming to fantasy camp, putting on the uniforms. And it's, and, 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 and it's not really the game. The games are cool, but it's like what's going on right now – they're all back there. They're all icing. They're all getting treatment, but they're drinking beers. They're talking. They're they're having a good time. 
it's the family aspect. It's the aspect of being like players because being in a locker room, being in a clubhouse, whether no matter what sport it is, whether it's the NBA, the NFL, it's like a family in there. You're in this thing together, and you can't get this anywhere else. As much as you want to think, yes, we're close at our work. Nah, it's not like being here. Being here, you really get the true – the true feel of what it's like to be on a true team. You're wearing the uniform. You're in the same same training, same locker room, same weight room, same everything as the big leaguers using. It, it's pretty special. So, you know, when we were talking to Shooty about it, and he got choked up. He got choked up because it just it – show, it means something. Down here, all this stuff means something to these people. It's a really special moment. And even Dave Stewart where it talks about, you know, all the different people. I mean, it's Dave Dave's got a lot going on in his life right now, but he even looks forward to fantasy camp every single year. That's why we're down here. It's become special to us too. So day one, great group of guests. Tomorrow who we got? Uh Nikki Pie Shop at one o'clock as we Nick start. Nick Allen. When we start the show, we got Ryan Noda and we got Zach Eloff. Hopefully what's that? I'm saying 1 o'clock Pacific time. The big cheese now wants to come on earlier, is he? Uh, yeah. We'll figure it out. Those are our guys. Tomorrow, then we'll hopefully we'll have Rosie, Rajay. Oh, Rajay, Rajay Davis yeah. is here. That's right. Yeah, remember, Stephen Boat and uh, Wash, Ron Washington, were supposed to be here, but they got manager's jobs, so yeah. uh, kind of killed that. Yeah, they, well, they, they got When's Raleigh showing up? It's a great question. I don't know. I don't have the itinerary. So jam-packed. Someone get Ryan down here. <laughs> so jam-packed show today. Great guest. Do the guests again. Uh, Dallas Braden, Bobby Crosby, Carney Lansford, Eno, Dave Stewart, Shooty Babbitt. Big time. And then tomorrow the same thing. Let's all go be a family and drink beers now like, we'll, like everyone else. We'll see everybody tomorrow, 1 o'clock Pacific. It'll be 2 o'clock here, 1 o'clock Pacific for A's Cast Live from Fantasy Camp in Arizona. Thank you, everybody, for watching. We'll see you tomorrow from the Valley of the Sun. It's almost that time again, A's fans. Spring training will be here before you know it, and the Oakland Athletics will be celebrating 10 years at Ho-Ho Cam Stadium. Now's the time to make plans to catch us in Mesa, Arizona, starting on February 24th, and enjoy the sunshine of your family and friends. Lawrence Butler, it's a fly ball to left field that's deep. Has a chance, opposite field, home run, Lawrence Butler. Grab your tickets early for the best seats at the lowest prices as your green and gold take on the Giants, Padres, Cubs, Angels, and more at Ho-Ho Cam Stadium. Don't wait. Get your tickets at athletics.com slash spring. That's athletics.com slash spring. This has been a presentation of the Oakland Athletics.